Hey folks, it's Jeremy. Just one reminder that you can support the show directly by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and donate a couple of bucks. If you already do that, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And I hope you're enjoying all of the extras that you get from that. And if you haven't or you can't, that's okay too. We really appreciate the support just from listening. Quick programming note, uh, after this movie episode, we're going to get into Spider-Man, the animated series from 1994. We're just going to dip a little bitty toe in and uh, record about the X-Men crossover episodes, specifically season two, episode four and five, which are the uh, mutant agenda. And then there's uh, season five, episodes nine, 10 and 11, which are secret wars, uh, which guest stars storm and some crazy beyond her bullshit. So we know you're going to love it. Uh, thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the podcast where Gary and I have finished watching all of the X-Men animated series. That's right. Dun, 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 dun. If you missed the last couple yep. of episodes, we are uh, we are done with X-Men, the animated series. We're going to move on. We're going to go forward with our lives. Uh, but we're not going to go too much forward because we're still going to be talking about the X-Men today. Uh, thank you, everybody that's been on the journey with us so far. I think that's that's the most important thing. Like it was, we've talked about this before. This was a Patreon show. This was a Patreon goal and you guys made that and killed it. And now we've done, I think this is like episode 40 something. I don't, I don't really keep track of episode numbers. So it's I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have no, um, idea. It, it, it is a number. Yeah. We didn't switch to letters yet. We didn't run out of the usable number scale. <laughs> <laughs> switch to the letters, which of course there are unlimited numbers of. I, uh, I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be beat up on Cole, but just, uh, you know, knowing Cole the way I know Cole, like I know he's, he's very, he like kind of wants everything to be standard. Do you think if I like switched our numbering system to something weird, like binary, it would drive him crazy. And just said like man, episode switch zero, it to zero, shapes, just like yeah, episode like, triangle and a half. Yeah. Like, we're episode rhombus where we're talking about, the Avengers cartoon episode <laughs> in Wasp We Stand and a Goliath Cometh. Absolutely. Um, the, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he, I mean, he would just probably like quietly change it back. That would be, uh, that would almost be even better end. if we could get, if we could get Cole to, to passively aggressively manage this podcast, I'd be really into that. So <laughs> I, I, that's a very achievable goal. Dude. Like, I, think that, I think that would be like literally just put it like if we switch it to, to letters instead of numbers, that'll happen. And we might hear about it eventually, mm -hmm. but also might not. So yeah. the, uh, I mean, by the time the, we're on, uh, we're on uh, episode Cassandra triangle rhombus cube. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the time. He's like, okay, enough with this. Welcome to season Delta. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, looked it up. This yeah. is episode forty-two, um, and we're oh. gonna be we're gonna be discussing first class. So, indeed, uh, the the X Men uh, movie. So you know, even though we're done with the cartoon, we're gonna be going through these movies. Eventually, we're going to start being, you know, going through other Marvel cartoons and other Marvel cinematic properties. And who knows, like in, in 12 years when we're doing like Agent Car you know, Peggy Carter, Agent of Se Shield or what have don't, you. Like, don't play with my emotions, Gary. I love that show. Don't, don't play with my I, I emotions. Not, like, the, all of that stuff, I want an excuse to watch it. Like I, I haven't mm -hmm. seen very much of the, the MCU TV stuff. And I want an excuse because like, you know, I have to do things for work now. 
Uh, I, yesterday I watched the season premiere of Westworld, which was not for work. It was the first time I'd watch a TV show, not for work or just like reruns of the American office for comfort in a very long time. Yeah. I, uh, so, I also, also watched that. I watched it last Friday or, uh, last would, would, Sunday, would, Monday, something like that. What'd um, you think? Like I, I got, I got some mixed feelings on it. I, I am. I'm exactly the same way. I liked some of the stuff that they were doing. Uh, I, I don't want to go too much in spoiler territory on this day, on this on yeah, this yeah. It's, first it's class brand podcast. New. But yeah. it's uh it's it's yeah they they put some characters together that I'm really kind of eh, on like I just I yeah. think were characters I didn't like already and so now they're doubling yep. down on making them worse together and I just I just don't care about it. Um 10,000% man. But some of the stuff that they're doing like the way that they're playing um I don't think I think it's comfortable enough to say like there's some weird timeline stuff in season one and in season yes. two they're instead of trying to hide that from you they're explicitly telling you from the get go that there's some weird timeline stuff happening and I'm kind of into that like just acknowledging I, the premise and being into it I think is 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 better than trying to surprise you again like I don't think that would be successful so cautiously optimistic I guess uh, I'm I'd be I'm going to be in, that that show is just the production values are so high like it's fun to watch and then I think about it yes. later and I'm like eh eh. So I'll, yes. I'll definitely be watching the entire season. It'll take a while for that, that for them to, to, to drop me basically. The, the, uh, say, yeah, very, very same. Like the, the, um, it's so pretty and the things that they do that are interesting are very interesting. So like the, the two things I think that were like super noteworthy about it and they're not spoilers, but like, it's just like one that they, the timeline stuff and a couple of the characters that are still around that I'm still very invested in. Yep. Um, and two, uh, just really in awe of how dark it starts. Like the opening, like fifteen minutes or so of it, just feel extremely dark to me, and I was just like, "Boy, you you really went with it." Have you, uh, you know, like, the, yeah. have you ever heard the song "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor"? <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with the lesser works of Father of Father Roach? Please, Father, Papa, loops. Papa, may I have another roach? <laughs> uh, might, have, might another body hit the floor? Because uh, <laughs> there were like I don't. The end of end of season one had some pretty crazy shit in it, and uh, there were just there's just an enormous amount of dead people in this in this yeah. episode of television, man. Like it was crazy. I wanted to go back and count because I think it might be a higher body count than <laughs> Superman versus Batman, which is pretty impressive. And it's all just in episode one too. Yeah, yeah. So it just really and then you know, so it's like I'm all there for it. I'm like, man, this is this is making me uncomfortable, but kind of in a good way, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's like like putting you know the the two the two the two characters with the worst British accents uh together to quip at each other for the whole middle part of the episode and i'm like <sighs> good fucking night yeah <laughs> like, this has to go <laughs> both of, both of I, you die immediately please 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 spend, spend and one of them definitely won't but one of them really should yeah yeah like surprised, yeah, and just, surprised one of them made it out of season one absolutely it was just like such a bad and the thing uh that that blows my mind is that they're they're drawing attention to it like did you notice all the little winky nods where they're just like you know seems a little bit broad doesn't it you know, or like, you know, this broad, broad accent and stuff. And it's like, this feels like you're uh, acknowledging and responding to criticisms of season, season one without actually course correcting at all. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like, you're just kind of winking, but like, stop winking at me and fix the fucking problem. It's like <laughs> if your plumber came over and just kind of like got out a wrench, wrench looked at you and kind of winked and like made mouth movements a bunch and didn't fix your toilet. It, uh, you know, it's like I know you know about it, but just fucking fix it. It doesn't matter if you if you if you say that you've seen all the blogs talking about all the problems from your show. If you literally just say that you see them, like no, you need to go to yeah. the extra step. There's, there's a reason all, everybody was talking about these specific problems. Yeah, 
So that, that, that part, I was just, I, I got a little, little, little mad. There's, there's a line specifically in it, which I flipped off my screen. <laughs> like uh, during that part, I'm like, go to hell. Man. Okay. Okay. Oh, All right. Okay, Westworld. West World. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm invested enough. I'm excited to have like a, a show to watch, like have a thing. I, you know, some appointment TV, like something I can do every Sunday. Um, and I am curious as to where it goes and Bernard, like that character, I still think remains like the bedrock. I am really interested in what happens to that dude. And I think they, the season one left him in a really fascinating place and season two like pushes that further. Absolutely. Like, he's in a yeah. really interesting dramatic. He's zone. maybe my favorite actor on the show as well, which is pretty, yeah, which is a pretty high bar because like there's some yeah. really great performances man, in there. Man in black, Anthony Hopkins. Super, super good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's also like, it's one of those shows too. And the, this is remaining in, in season two, other than um, the, uh, the main, uh, main lady. Um, Whose name is escaping right Dolores. I don't remember her name. Dolores. Other than Dolores, the and it's not the it's not the lady's fault. Like there's there's something there's like a a two oh one level of like, you know, quote unquote like wokeness or whatever, where I realized that like in a lot of shows, uh, and this actually ties in pretty well into to first class, so this is a good transition. Um, where I don't like the the female characters a lot. It's not because I'm sexist and it's not because the actresses are bad. It's because the writers and directors are not using them very well. Mm-hmm. And I think Westworld suffers from that a lot. You're going to you hear know, me like complain the, the, a lot about that in, in first class today. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's going to go ahead very and on display in this, you know, and it, it's a, it's a real thing. Like it's a, you know, it's not, it's not because I don't like female characters. Like I love female characters. It's because I feel like the, the process that is putting them on the screen, the, 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 the men who are directing them and writing for them, are just doing a bad, like a worse job, you know? So you end up with, uh, in, in Westworld, you know, and in, in first class, you end up with like more kind of wooden deliveries or, or like really flat lines. And then they give all the best lines to the male characters, you know? And then they wonder why, like a generation of kids grows up being like, I don't like, you know, female superheroes yeah. or whatever. And it's like, well, cause they, you wrote them to not be likable <laughs> because you, cause you, know, you guys put out, uh, what was it? Uh, Catwoman with Halle yeah. Berry. Like, what are Catwoman you doing? What Electra? are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Those are like, just, you made really bad movies with them. I'm not saying it's people. There's not some sexism, right? Like I'm not excusing the fan base for, for being sexist because comic book and, and pop culture, sci-fi fandoms are sexist as hell, but there's also another layer to it. Like it just goes deeper, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that's a good way to talk about first class, a movie that we both really like. Like, it's not like the whole thing. It's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's January Jones fucking synced the entire thing. Yeah, you no, know no, that, that's not our opinion. I feel like this the, is a really an exciting movie, and it's fun, and it's it, it accomplished something that I didn't really think was possible, which is to kind of reset the X Men universe after um, how terrible the third one was. Uh, but yeah, there, it does, especially on a rewatch, does have some significant problems. Did you uh, in preparing for this to record this episode? I watched the trailer again. Okay. Do you remember like before we get into it? Do you remember like? where you were in like the hype cycle or whatever, or where you were when, when this started being announced and seeing trailers and things for this. I really don't. I got, I want to say that this was, uh, was, this was pre Iron Man three Iron Man. Right. So like the Marvel stuff hadn't, or was it after that? I don't really remember. I don't really remember where, where I was in life. I guess I need to go look up like when they announced this movie. Yeah. Two, 2011. Oh, then definitely after, um, Iron Man then. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. You can't just Google X Men first class, or you can't just Google first class announcement because it's a bunch of stuff about like first class hotels or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, which, which is a, a spinoff podcast. Yeah, is they an X Men first class hotel as a as a like a, a a resort? I would do that. 
every uh, like, every cabana know, boy is, is just is just gambit in a in like a little thong <laughs> bringing you an ice bucket <laughs> of beer like wearing the costume they're like you know in a speedo but they still have the weird head yeah 100%. thing it's like just just the speedo and then the weird head thing <laughs> the, weird, the weird hat um but like i i remember seeing this and being uh skeptical just because x-men 3 was bad and the, the most recent wolverine movie i'd seen was bad and it just everything felt bad uh, at the time when this came out and the trailer for it is uh, mildly encouraging, but it kind of acts like those bad movies never like, like it doesn't acknowledge those either. Kind of like some of the Westworld thing, like the trailer's all like, you know, before he was professor X, you know, and then it shows you, you know, before he was Magneto, like it really focuses on that bromance angle, which is a really big part of the movie, but that wasn't what I was like missing. I just wanted a good fucking movie after X-Men three. You know, and it turns out to be a pretty good movie and accomplishes a lot, a lot, a lot of work, which we'll talk about. But the trailer was not the thing that got me into it. Like, this still felt like a risk when I went and saw it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, I remember I remember vaguely being like, yeah, X-Men movies have been kind of uniformly bad for a while, but uh, I'm still down for X-Men media of all types, which obviously remains true even today. So, like, it was one of those things where I, I would have, like, zero expectations. And I'm watching this trailer now just to get an, get an idea. And like they're cutting from footage from X Men One into this movie, which I feel like is pretty weird. Uh, mm. But it's yeah, yeah it's, it's it was I was very intrigued just by the the, the timeline, by the period. Um, and, and, and also, I, I'm talking like about the game, but I was right? definitely <laughs> yeah, 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 like Fastbender. Um, and then the, there was also that feeling of like they brought back uh, Matthew Vaughn, yeah, you know, to be on it, which was like in retrospect you know, half the X-Men movies he'd done before were not very good, but it still felt like that return to form and the actors were good. And like, I was talking you know, I, I still felt like it was a risk, but it was, it was always going to be a risk I was going to take because X-Men shit. Um, so the other thing that that's really interesting about this and kind of thinking about it, uh, in the long view is them adding this, um, I'd read the comic that is also called X-Men first class. Have you, have you read that? I believe so. Yes. I think we've talked about this on the, on the show before. Yeah. Mm-hmm it's like kind of fun, but has nothing to do with this. Yeah. Nothing to what, nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I, I was, I was reading the, the synopsis of it again to prepare for this episode. I'm like, Oh, they go down to Florida and fight the lizard in that. Like they could not be further away from what happens in this movie. Like, and still, and still would probably be better than that new venom movie that's coming out. So if, I, if it was just I'm, that. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit psyched for that venom movie, dude. And, I mean, it's, it's a weird, yeah, yeah I, I could get I behind it. I just like I just I have again. It's one of those things where I have zero expectations, and like it's so easy to dunk on it. Like, why is Venom dressed up like Spider Man if he hasn't possessed Spider Man or yeah. been a part of Peter Parker or any of that? Like, there's so many dumb questions in there, uh, and and the CGI is just it's, it'll probably come off fine when you're in a movie theater or when you're watching it at home. But like, it's so easy to like, oh, that dude just looks like he has a dick in his mouth because it's your weird long tongue. So he does, he does the, the thing about the, the CGI that I've noticed like online is it's a little bit like that, that meme from a couple years ago about like what color the dress was. Yeah. You know, cause people either seem to like really like it or really dislike it. And like, I think it looks like, like what I imagined Venom to look like, like he's kind of, he's like real slimy and gross, but like that, that seems like Venom to me. And I don't think Venom should look like, I think he should look trashy as hell, you know, cause Venom, Venom is trash. Like Venom is a trash character, you know, like he, <laughs> he is that he belongs in the eighties, like an eighties exploitation, like revenge movie, you know, uh, is Venom. And, but I, I think that the thing about the trailer that makes it look cool is like Tom Hardy's performance is just really weird. Like yeah, it seems like he's, he's bringing it like the, uh, the, you know. the back and forth between him and the symbiote <clears throat> symbiote symbiote. How do mm-hmm. you, what do you think? 
Symbiote. Symbiote. Wow, that's worse. worse. For symbiote. <laughs> Please, yeah, Father, yeah. may I have some symbiotes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might I have some symbiotes? <laughs> um, just that, that com- the conversations that are happening in the trailer between those two are, are, are really interesting to me. Like, I think that's that's going to be the attraction to that. Uh, but, you know, Venom mm-hmm. murdering fools and weir- with weird CGI is... I don't. I don't have a lot of faith in that. So that's. I guess that's why I'm kind of kind of cool on that Venom trailer. But I didn't mean to interrupt you on your on your. We're talking about first class. Oh. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it's okay. Like it's uh you know that that that's what happens. Um. I was gonna say though, like there's nothing like the comic. What they add to the movie, which is actually kind of a stroke of genius, is doing it a period piece and then setting it against the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. I which like is, this, which I like is this whole idea a whole lot. <clears throat> full, fully foreign from the movies. Like that's, there's not a comic that I know of where it intersects these two historical things, but that would be kind of the premise of the next three X-Men movies and the reboot. And it's a really strong thing to do. Like take, do this a little bit of this Forrest Gumpening, like, you know, the, the mutants were really part of the world the whole time, like alternative history thing. And it, it just, it adds a lot, you know? Yeah. So, it's uh, it's and it's fun, like you know, this farce gumpening of the X Men universe, uh, where you you get to see like you know these tremendous things happen that are happening in the background and have like the X Men be a part of it. This is going to be more and more of a, a thing with Days of Future Past, uh, which has a a really fun through joke about Magneto and his the reason that yeah. Magneto's in jail that I, I just I adore. I think is really fun, but. Uh, you know, just seeing JFK on the screen and talking about the Bay of Pigs and the lead up to the Cuban Missile Crisis and realizing like, oh, that's actually, you know, Sebastian Shaw <laughs> of the Hellfire yeah. Club. Like, that's a real fun thing for me. Like, that that's something that doesn't really get old. And, I, you know, as much as I go back and watch Forrest Gump nowadays and I'm like, okay, I yeah, dial it down. It's still really fun for me <laughs> to see this stuff writ large. Like, I like the fact that... I like the idea of the X-Men interacting with an actual crisis crises that we experienced as a, as a nation or as a world. It, it's a weird, it's a, a clever turn because they couldn't do it. They have to do it as a period piece because nobody is sensitive about the Cuban missile crisis anymore. Like this could come off as disrespectful. The X-Men have always done that with the Holocaust, which is a much bigger deal. And they pull it off because they're so serious. Uh, and again, they pull it off again in this movie. Um, but the Cuban mis- missile crisis, if they had done this with like, you know, if this had happened, uh, if they did like X-Men 90s and it had been all about the X-Men being around during 9-11 or whatever, or X-Men 2000s, like, you couldn't do that. You know, there'd still be people alive who were really, really impacted by it. I don't want to see the fact that, like, Magneto actually steered one of the planes or some shit like that. Like, that's the last thing I want to see. But this is, a, you know, a similar crisis our country faced, and it's far enough in the past to be quarantined to where it doesn't feel insensitive to mix mutants with, like, things that impacted real human lives. Or it doesn't feel as insensitive. Like, it's a tightrope to walk, and I think they walk it pretty well. And it also gives um, everybody an excuse to look dumb and stylish without yes. set against a backdrop of people who also look dumb and stylish, which I think is pretty important yes. because as as like slick as the first X-Men trilogy was, like everyone's uniforms were all black leather, like everyone wanted to look cool. Um, the, you know, the outfits that they choose here, they, they don't get them to the end of the movie, but all of the villains and stuff, they look outlandish. And with the exception of, of Emma Frost, which we'll talk a lot about Emma Frost in this, uh, they all look reasonably cool. Like Sebastian Shaw doesn't ever look bad in this movie, which is very impressive yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's colorful in a way that these, the series has not been. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you contrast it with, uh, with modern superhero movies or even like Spider-Man, you know, at the time, like the X-Men movies were always like this black, you know, serious kind of militaristic look compared to Spider-Man, which was kind of big and, and loud and fun. Um, this is the, the first big, loud and fun X-Men movie. 
um, you know, like X Men Two is really good. It's not fun though. Like it's it's you know, I mean, there's parts of it that are fun, but it's not it's not joyous. Like there's there's parts of this that are joyous and goofy. These characters, we get to see these characters have fun. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people laugh. Like it, it it's a it it has a lot of that humanity to it that's been missing from the series. We should um, uh, let's, uh let's we should take it. we should we should get into it, but we should also take just a brief minute to uh to talk about how we watch this um recently. Oh yeah. Because uh, you, as people on the have listened to the podcast or follow us on Twitter, know uh, you came down to visit us. You spent a few days at, at the at Chez Greer, as they like to pronounce yeah. it in France. Chez. <laughs> That's how we say Greer. it down here, Cher. Cher. How we say it down here, Cher. Um. <laughs> uh, but it was really fun because uh, you and I like sat down and were able to like talk a bunch of X Men shit in person, and uh, mm-hmm. also like watch some X Men movies. So like we had a couple of beers. Autumn uh, was in and out. She was making dinner and uh but she didn't really care she's seen this movie before so she didn't really care uh so it was just but it was fun to kind of watch this stuff because this was the first x-men media that you and i got to consume in the same room right like yeah this yeah was, usually we watch this stuff separately we make notes and then we come back and we talk about it whereas this it was it was a weird experience because we kept cracking jokes that i i don't know if we'll, it's still using the podcast or not but we made the decision not to record it live because of that reason like we were because we didn't want to just yeah. repeat jokes from the night before which i think was a pretty smart idea because now yeah. i don't remember any of those jokes so <laughs> they might come up they might just be lost to the ether and they might be temporary like everything beautiful is joke heaven is what i like to call it yeah the uh the um yeah that was that was super fun uh and also just like really great not just from like an x-men days of future cast perspective but also just from a vacation perspective where like when I told people I was going down to Louisiana, everyone thought I would be like dead in a ditch, you know, with my beads wrapped around my dick and like, you know, 17 <laughs> hurricanes of the wind. And in fact, it was like two beers, like really good food in X-Men, which was like a way better vacation. So Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, re- really, really fun, really relaxing. And, and uh, thank you again, man. Hey, thanks, that, for, thanks for putting me up and thank you for coming experience. down. That's, 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 that was the big thing. So, uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Fun. Uh, yeah. I wrote, I got some, I got some statistical information. If you want to go through that, Mm -hmm. um, if you want to, if you want to read the summary, we can read the summary and maybe talk about the, uh, the actors involved, I think a little bit. Yeah. So this is, uh, in first class in 1962, the United States government enlists the help of mutants with superhuman abilities to stop a malicious dictator who is dictator, Mm -hmm. uh, who is determined to start world war three. Uh, I like a dictator. I think almost uh, universally, um, except for, and I, I hate to say this because it does, like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to beat up on the women characters in this, but I think I like all of this casting uh, pretty universally, except for Mystique and Emma Frost. And Mystique isn't necessarily bad. I just think by the by the third time I've seen Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique, I was kind of done with it. Like the decision to make her kind of a, a big presence in these movies is not a bummer, but I just, I just, I don't, I just don't like her that much. I guess. Yeah, it it was an odd. It's focusing on her in the movies more than they do in the comics or any other media was an odd choice. I think she does get better. I think she kind of grows into it. And we talked about this. And part of it is literal, like figuratively, like she is kind of baby faced. She is very in this in in this movie and in a way that like, but eventually, um, like in the second movie, I like her a lot more. Like I think her performance is stronger. I think that she represents the character a little bit better. And I rewatched the third one, which we did not watch together. I watched Mm -hmm. that on my own. I just see and like. Spoiler, like, I like it more than I did in the theater. I still don't think it's a good movie, but I think there, I found more things to like about it. And I actually like her in that quite a bit. Um, I think she's one of the, the big strengths of the third movie. So, but yeah, January Jones is, is largely good. Uh, the, 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 um, uh, Moira is fine in this as well. Like, Mor- Moira was, was fine. Born. Uh, I, yeah. January Jones is given basically nothing to do and she's giving some of the worst lines in the, in this, in this, in the movie. So, 
Not to mention some of like the the weirdest outfits and I man, it's just it's, yeah. as a huge fan of Emma Frost, I just have a I have a huge problem with this. I, I just don't well, like that, the Emma that's Frost the issue, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like this is this is one this is this is their go at it. This is their chance to do Emma Frost, mm-hmm. uh, which they 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 didn't do. And like Emma Frost is such a big character in the comics. Like she should be funny, you know. Like she should be she should be like destroying people with her words. You know, and that that's like that's the that's what you want from Emma Frost. Like she should be she should be people should be scared to talk to her. Like she'd be scared to talk back to her. And they turn her into a flunky. Absolutely. You know, again, like when you talk about like it's it's not the actress's fault or the character, it's not a bad character. It's they wrote her into a role where she's a shitty sidekick during this. Even in the Hellfire Club in the original comics, like she has a lot more power. There's a power struggle. The idea that uh Sebastian Shaw Sebastian Shaw is not the unquestioned leader of the hellfire club like it is like there's power struggle people struggle she's the white queen you know she's not uh you know the white pawn you know and and in here she acts like it's like she's like the white pawn and i uh, and it, it, it's it's a real bummer uh i think part of that is up to the de- kind of baffling decision that matthew vaughn made pretty early on which is that uh none of these characters would have any sort of accents at all so you have you know an Irish Irish Rose Byrne who is playing Moira yeah. Taggart with an American accent. With, uh, <laughs> and then you yeah, have no, you no, know, no accents. And then you have you know Emma Frost, which is which is is, is like her character is British aristocracy, right? Aristocracy. Arista- right. Why can't I talk today, Gary? Uh, arist- aristocracy. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know she's 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 akin to royalty. Like she's going to cut you down with her words. She's she's got the kind of haughty accent thing happening. Um, but she doesn't have that here. So she kind of just comes off as like you said, a flunky, like the white pawn and she, she's just, very flat. Yeah. yeah. And even, even like, you know, characters like Banshee who were so, you know, I mean, they, they, they cast a redheaded dude with freckles and then made him talk like a, like a, like a, a kid from the Bronx, well, basically. <laughs> that, that kid can't not talk like himself. It, it's the, it's the, the brother from get out, which I didn't know until I watched this again. And that guy's, his voice is like, so like gravelly. And and menacing, even when he was Banshee, there's a couple lines that feel like really menacing when he's just hanging out with the kids. <laughs> I just realized I read the wrong synopsis. There's two synopsis of this. There's oh, the longer one, which I, which I, I won't just, read because it's. I was just gonna skip it. Just, I wasn't gonna call you on it. <laughs> yeah, silly, silly to do this two synopsises, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then there's also some like uh, you know, just so we don't beat up on uh, Emma Frost that much. I think in the bad side, really, the only winner is Shaw. Because the other two flunkies that they have also suck uh, extremely bad. And like the and guy who plays Riptide and the guy who plays um, um, Azazel. Yeah. Like, who are these clowns? No, like, and who are th- given like zero lines. I don't think either one of them speak throughout the entire movie, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is, you know, not only are they kind of like Z tier X-Men people, <laughs> like they're kind of weirdly yeah. placed in this universe to begin with. Uh, Riptide's powers are like, I can cause wind basically yeah <laughs> and it's and it's fine but it's they're just not given a whole lot to do again like the the villains in this really like the villains that shine are, are sebastian shaw like he's he's yeah. very like kevin um i almost said kevin costner which would be a, a totally different movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kevin bacon really sells this in a way that I, I i like a lot oh he's so fun like he he's really scenery chewing like he's he's really good um the the, the azazel and riptide are just there so the x-men can have a team fight yep that's it. You know, like they're, they're in the toad and saber tooth role from the first movie, but they're worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like when you say Z list, like you, you ain't kidding. Like Azazel is like the shitty Satan, a Satan, shitty Satan figure. Like he shouldn't even be around anyway. They just needed a teleporter. 
and the Riptide is like a fourth tier Marauder. Yeah, like he's 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 like the seven. He's like the like the sixth most famous Marauder. He leaves. You know, he how, leaves, how do you get there? Uh, he leaves Sebastian Shaw's many many secret hideouts and just goes to work at a Target. Like that's how seamless this <laughs> dude is. He's got a side job. He's got a part time job to get pay bills. Is what Riptide does. He's got. He, he creates a little tornado in the Best Buy, and whenever anyone enters his tornado, he's mandated to ask if he can help them. <laughs> <laughs> like whenever somebody enters into that radius, uh, you just see if they need a visit from the Geek Squad. He's got a he's got a uh, like a, just a side gig at the museum, just making miniature whirlwinds for elementary school <laughs> students. Yeah, inside uh, uh, two liter bottles of soda, that exactly. Had the torn yeah, yeah. Off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, of course uh, James McAvoy as Charles Xavier and Michael Fassbender as uh, yeah. Magneto, Eric Lynchers. I think. I, I love both of the both of these guys. Like I think they both do a yeah. tremendous job. Um, James McAvoy has kind of a weird history, but like Michael Fassbender to me is is a really great actor. Like he's been the saving grace of all of those Aliens movies that everybody hates uh, that I kind of yeah, like for yeah, some yeah. reason. So, <laughs> so don't at me, please. Uh, but yeah, I like I like both of those guys a whole lot. He, he's great in this, and uh, the best scenes in the movie are his. Yep. You know, like I think the the, the two MVPs of this I think are are Fassbender and Kevin Bacon. Like both of which, every time they're on the screen, it's really hard not to like watch them. Um, the uh, the new the new Beast guy. I guess we're just kind of going through the cast and kind of saying what we think about him before mm-hmm. we get into the plot. Um, the new Beast guy, I think, is really good. Uh, Nicholas Holt, like I like his performance a lot. I think he has the the right kind of uh, you know, he gets the essential like what you want from Beast, which is the dichotomy between like the the timid nerd and the the Beast, which is the whole point of the character. Uh, they do that really well here. Yes, you know. Um, some of the, when he's, when he's blued up, I think that sometimes it, it looks a little hinky, you know, sometimes it looks good and depending on certain angles, like it can look not super great. Um, I don't think beast was ever going to look like super great though, you know, cause it, cause of the nature of him just being a blue, blue cat person. Yeah. Um, he looks good sometimes, sometimes not as much, but as far as the performance goes, I think he's really good. And they do that thing where yeah. they, they kind of deepen his voice out a little bit, which actually I think works yeah. in his favor. So um, it's I, I, I like this guy a lot, too. I think he's really good. And like the weird kind of chemistry that he has with Mystique and the the, the quasi-love triangle that him and Magneto and, and Mystique are going to get into are is kind of interesting and cool, especially yeah, yeah. with Mystique's relationship, new relationship with Xavier, or new to this movie's relationship with Xavier. So. I mean, like the, the, this trilogy, the, the third or the second trilogy of X-Men movies thematically boils down to the battle for Mystique's soul, right? Like in, in almost every episode, and that's not subtext. That's, that's the text of the movie. A lot of the times, like that is the plot of, of days of future cat days of future past, um, you know, where it's like literally them kind of going back and both of them making appeals to Mystique. That's happening here too. Um, where you, you have, a kind of, uh, xavier on one side of just being you know obviously like let's help the humans but it's appealing to her side that where she can shapeshift and look like a human even though she's not and then you have uh you have magneto who literally in this movie says like hey you're beautiful the way you are you know as as a mutant uh and then you have beast which represents this kind of middle ground who he literally represents the middle ground you know since he can mostly pass as a human during this time and that is his goal is to be able to pass yeah you know as human so he he represents the being able to go back and forth between them like this is, uh, uh, and it's done pretty well. Like it is not super obvious. Like when I say it's text, it is text. It's not subtext, but it's not, they don't beat you over the head with it. Uh, and they actually take that theme and they, they carry it pretty reasonably through these three movies. Like Mystique as a character ends up making sense. Her character, where she ends here makes sense for her in days of future past where she ends in days of future past. It makes sense to pick up where she's at in apocalypse. 
So. I um did we mention that there's a, just a whole lot of shit that goes on in this movie? <laughs> I was uh, yeah we we said it does a lot. I, when I yeah. when I when I was taking notes for it uh, again, I watched it again last night and uh, just to to kind of get ready for it and uh, just taking notes and trying to get like broad strokes. I was like, man, this is this is a big movie. Like this is a this is a huge movie that does a lot of things to like kind of reestablish the X Men universe after after some pretty dreadful experiences. And uh, I'm just I, I'm I'm actually kind of impressed that it pulls like you know, probably a good 80, 90% of it off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not expecting, um, the, uh, a lot of the things that happened in this movie, I remember it happening in the second one. So when we rewatched it, we even said it like, man, this movie does a lot. Like beast gets his blue fur in this movie, which I totally forgot about. And, uh, we're just seeing that's just like, this just does a lot of work, you know? And the second one does a lot of work too. You know, the, the second one is why Hugh Jackman has an adamantium skeleton. Like, didn't expect that. Like they just do a lot of that fun kind of retconning, retconning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a, uh, you know, as a uh, budget, uh, about $160 million uh, to it. And is the most financially successful of the, uh, the X-Men movies, I believe. Um, so a cumulative uh, worldwide gross of 353 million. Not too shabby. Hope everybody got a good pay. About $200 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you, uh, you ready to jump into the plot? Yes. Let's, let's plot it up. So uh, the movie starts in Poland in 1944, and uh, you immediately recognize the scene from the first X-Men movie. This is the scene where uh, Eric, a.k.a. Magneto, uh, I'm not going to call him Magneto throughout the, throughout this, because he doesn't actually get that name until the end of the movie, so we're just going to call him Eric and Charles. Um, mm-hmm. Eric, as a, as a boy, is separated from his parents in what is obviously you know a, a, a Holocaust camp, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, grabs the grabs the metal gate starts breaking it when one of the one of the guards knocks him on the head with the <clears throat> excuse me knocks him on the head with one of the guns and then uh he goes out and of course you know he loses his powers he loses his grip on the gate uh except this time yeah. the camera goes up and we see this kind of shadowy figure that is watching this um, yeah which is kind of a i thought this was the perfect opening to this movie like it set a, it set a really great tone of like here's this thing that happened that you're familiar with and now we're going to show you something after that and but before all the other stuff that you've seen which i thought was really really it's- great yeah, it sets it it sets it in the continuity the way that you want it to, where mm-hmm. it's saying like, "Hey, you know, this is this is not going to totally shit on the good X Men movies that you like. You know, we're going to add to it. We're not going to replace it. You know, and that was such a strong opening to X Men One. You're doing it again, and here they actually make it do more work because this whole beginning section is going back and forth between Xavier and uh, Magneto. AKA you know, Charles. And you just said that we weren't going to call them that. Uh, well, let uh, me Charles, Charles I'm not going to call them that. You, you, okay. you can do whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, you want to, you better feel. I'm going to draw a line on this side of the podcast. And on this side of the line, <laughs> we, say, we say Xavier. Well, I'm just going to keep but, twirling um, my arms and I'm going to walk forward your line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, walk forward your mind. <laughs> and if you get psychically destroyed. Um, but the, uh, what it's doing is it's saying, we know the audience knows who these characters end up. Uh, this is doing a lot of work to be like, you know, one of the reasons they look how different these backgrounds are, like, look how, how different these characters growing up experiences were, you know, it's, it's laying that track. It's track that we knew was there. Some of which has been laid before, but it, I think it does in a really elegant way. Um, like immediately after this Holocaust scene, we switched to uh, Westchester. We have little kid Xavier. Um, he's got a picture of Einstein next to his bed. Of course he does. <laughs> cause, cause cool. Cause he's, cause uh, he is the dorkiest <laughs> child and he will be the dorkiest adult. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's uh, he hears somebody uh, down in the kitchen. Uh, he grabs a bat, goes to investigate. Um, looks like his mom, uh, and but his mom says like, "Hey, do you want me to fix you up some food?" And he goes, "You know, you're not my mom. My mom never stepped a foot in the kitchen. Who are you?" 
Um, and you know, he's, he's got this bat. He's little Xavier. He's right to play. He's going to, he's going to break some knees. And, uh, it turns out to be a little mystique and a little mystique is just sneaking into houses and impersonating moms to get food, uh, which is, uh, very similar. This is actually, um, an homage to, uh, that, that, uh, Oh, what's a uh, Marvel's that, mm-hmm. uh, that Kerbusiak uh, yeah, yeah. thing. This mm-hmm. is what happens. You know, there's that little mutant girl who goes into the, uh, sneaks into the kitchen of the reporter. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, in that, um, Ben or, or, um, sneaks into his kitchen and this is almost shot for shot that scene we so. uh we kind of dunked on some pedantic nerds i don't i don't remember if it was uh before we started recording or after earlier today um <laughs> but we, we were dunking on some pedantic nerds and i just want to be a pedantic nerd for a minute and just say that like mystique transforming from full-size mom to tiny mystique is like one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen like so that shit can just <laughs> she can just create mass <laughs> like that's the way her yeah, powers I, work she, she could just make I herself six <laughs> yeah like she's a hollow easter like 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 a easter bunny uh, chocolate Easter bunny. Yeah. Which like, is the mom version. I don't, I don't like to think too hard about how anybody's powers work, but you know, the movie kind of invites mm-hmm. you to do so when you see, you know, five foot eight Xavier mom transform into, you know, tiny little mystique girl. So uh, five foot eight Xavier mom is my favorite. IMDb IMDb tag for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> All it's, the movies forget five foot eight. Xavier it's also mom. Uh, the best Pornhub tag for it. So you, yeah, you guys get enjoy. equipped with Xavier mom, <laughs> Mega man seven. <laughs> get equipped with Xavier mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it, it, you think this is going to turn bad, but it immediately turns in this kind of meat cute because like Xavier's like, I'm not scared of you. He thought he was the only one. He kind of reads her mind, sees that she's not, she also thought she was the only one and they become friends. He's like, you know, we have tons of food. You can stay here as long as you like, like essentially like you can live here. So you have a home now, which is takes a, her in like a stray, which is a pretty baller move for, for Xavier. Cause he looks about eight. Um, yeah so or maybe maybe like a maybe a, uh, like a, a small 12 let me say that yeah so, uh, somewhere in that zone though he's very young but it, it does speak to that like confidence i imagine they don't really talk about how she lived there but i don't imagine xavier's parents knew about her i think he probably used his powers to hide her oh you think so okay um, that's, a, that's a much cooler idea than him like saying okay you need to transform into my stepsister so that my step <laughs> so that my step you're now my pet turtle <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're my dog gus yeah and continuity nerds out there know that xavier does have a dog named gus yeah, let's transform her. Let's transform into Gus, and she's like, "Not again, Xavier! I don't like yeah, this. I don't like it when I, you pet I me." Think you, I think you mean rough, rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I told you never speak to me this way, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you are going to turn out to be a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. So then we we switch back to Poland. Yeah, and I really like these uh, early Eric, Eric scenes because uh, this is the first time we meet Sebastian Shaw, who is a uh, kind of set it up as like a Joseph. Uh, man, I, I'm really bad Mingle. at pronouncing Mingle character. Um, Mingala, yeah, Mingala, and uh, b- basically wants Eric to you know move the coin, and he says, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, you move this coin, and I'll give you some chocolate. And uh, Eric's like, no, I just wanna, I just want my mom. And he's like, well, you try to move the coin, and we'll see what happens. And of course, Eric can't. Like the the reason that his powers came out for the first time was because he was so angry and confused. So he can't just do this on command. And uh, Shaw just goes like straight to 11 and it's like okay i'm gonna bring your mom in and shoot her if you don't do it so you might want to try this uh which is yeah very scary and this whole thing like we see his office which is just like what you would expect out of a you know german official's office or what have you but then the it's there's a whole glass wall where there's just a torture chamber on the other side which is fucking yeah terrifying. the reveal of that's really cool yeah like you know the, the camera pans back to show that and he's playing like a character that's a like a archetype that I always find really compelling, which is like the smiling Nazi. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously in, in Inglorious Bastards, but this comes up a little while. And he, he says like, I, you know, I'm not like them. You know, the Nazis, I'm not actually one of the Nazis. I think they tried to make it to make him so, you know, this, this PG-13 movie or whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm not a Nazi. Know, I'm Hydra. Totally different. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a, you know, he, he contrasts himself somehow. Like he's a scientist working for the German government or what have you. But he, yeah, he, he kind of says the Nazis the, like all longer. of that blonde hair, blue eye stuff is just boring. Like I'm here for the genetics. Yes. I'm here for evolution. So. Yes. Um, but it's it's a great scene because he's so like genial, you know, and, and it just makes him very scary to watch. Um, so he's trying to get Magneto to demonstrate his power. He's like, you know, at the count of three, I'm going to shoot your mom. Um, you know, Magneto can't do it and he's trying, you know, you get to watch this kid like really push and he can't do it. And then after he shoots him, when the actual trauma happens, Eric goes ape shit and like all the metal, like everywhere goes crazy. Like the, the bell on the desk gets crushed. This filing cabinet gets crushed. The helmets that the soldiers are wearing, which is like, that's a cool application of powers that I've not seen. Yeah. Very cool. You know? like and that then that, that torture room goes like poltergeist, like everything in it starts going crazy. Um, you know, and somehow, uh, he doesn't end up killing Shaw during this, which like, that, that's one that I was like, man, you'd think that like the dude who, uh, gave the order you'd want to want to have die, but it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, we have to have a plot. Like we have to have a revenge plot. So I guess that's and, the revenge plot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's the revenge plot. And they also, they can't tip their hand because Shaw is a mutant and we don't learn that yet. Exactly. Uh, so if he had tried to kill Shaw, it wouldn't work, but we just don't know that yet. So, and then we go to, um, then we go to the, our, like our typical X-Men open, which, uh, you and I thought was, was pretty, pretty crazy because what happens is Sean hands, uh, Magneto, excuse me, Sean hands Eric. I, I don't know. I, I give up. I'm just going to call him whatever the fuck I want to. <laughs> Maybe this wasn't the best hill to, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I did this. I don't know. I just, I, 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 I grabbed a shovel. I dug a hole and I just jumped head first into it. Um, <laughs> hands him the coin and uh the camera kind of zooms in on this coin and it starts spinning and on one side is like very obvious nazi regalia like the the eagle thing happening and then it flips around and there's just like the x symbol on it <laughs> and uh <laughs> i just like it's just a weird image like and i know that what they're trying to do of like two sides of the same coin or whatever like one's bad one's good or, or whatever that metaphor is but it really just looked like yeah. xavier minted up some nazi <laughs> nazi currency <laughs> Uh, Xavier is the ultimate centrist. I think it would work a lot better if Xavier just didn't put X's all over every goddamn thing that he owns. (laughs) This is this uh, movie gives us the origin of his branding. Yeah, like Moira Taggart suggested it to him. Like he didn't, he didn't want to. He didn't like it at all. And then she's just like, you know, you need a brand. She's his publicist, Um, publicist, uh, spy, publicist, Tinker Taylor, and spy Moira Taggart. (laughs) A much worse sequel. Um, Sequels that should never happen. uh, yeah. The uh so then we switch over this this cuts to grown Magneto. Uh and he has the coin and we hear Magneto's theme uh for the first time, which is my favorite piece of music in this movie. I think it's my um, favorite piece of music in the X-Men movies, like period. Yeah, I it's really, really good. It I really like the dun, 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 dun. like that's pretty good. But yeah. Magneto all of Magneto's stuff is really great. I'll probably just kind of pepper that throughout this podcast if I'm feeling if I'm feeling pretty creative <laughs> because yeah. slow down four hundred percent and just play it throughout the entire thing so it's like crazy. <laughs> anti-music in Don't, the background of the whole show gary do not tempt me <laughs> um but we're still like you think that we're past the credits we'd actually get into it but we're still contrasting these two men and mm-hmm. we, we spend a lot of time going back and forth between them before we get to them so we have adult magneto he's going to go track down the nazis uh, as an adult um and xavier is living this playboy lifestyle like he's always been wealthy he's been a new new england like socialite and it's him in a bar in college like using his powers to pick up on women 
Mm-hmm. Like he he is handed a the world on a silver platter. And you know? is literally something that we we joke about a lot with the animated series, but he's like using his powers not for the best reasons, right? Like he he sees this woman yeah. with um you know two different color eyes and starts kind of using this like oh, you're you're a mutant kind of kind of pickup line, which he's he's very charming, so it works. But also reads her mind to you know get her drink order, and you know she's like, "How did you yeah. do that?" And he's like, "Oh, I just knew, baby," because he's basically being like yeah. Austin Xavier at this point, like Austin Powers Xavier, yeah. Yeah. Austin superpowers, <laughs> yeah, Austin yeah. superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> very good thank you um, <laughs> but you know it's a very groovy mutation baby um you know hang on her and like if we didn't know everything we knew about xavier and how much of a scum scum fuck he turns out to be um this would be really i actually like him being an asshole here because he hasn't developed an ethical code like like when i was i've never done anything untoward to get laid mm-hmm. right like i've never i've never done anything gross but I do think that when I was 20, I really wanted to get laid, man. Like, you know, and I, and I, I had and did, but it, any given moment, like I was, I was pretty sex driven, you know, in my very early twenties, like, so him not developing that ethical code yet makes sense. It doesn't make it a better. It doesn't make it okay, but he's also a kid. Exactly. So it's shitty, mm-hmm. not excusing him, but it, it makes sense for his character development to start out shitty and get better. And I will guarantee you, you know, uh, like you in 20 year old Xavier's mind, it's, uh, well, Reading her mind to get a drink order is fine. It's not like I'm forcing her to consent to me or anything. Right? Yes. And, like, and he's probably, he doesn't it. do anything. Yeah. Yes. He's justifying it that way. And it is not as bad. It's still bad, but there's a continuum, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not, you know, making a bunch of sex slaves. He's not the lady from Smallville. Um, did oh, you read about that shit? Yeah, dude. Man, I used yeah, to, uh, when we watched Smallville, I was like, man, this is, this chick is cute. And, uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> whoops. What, what, what a timeline, man. Like I, I read about that yesterday for the first time. I just seen the headline. I was like, "Oh, that's strange." And then like actually read about it yesterday. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, like, I read I read through that whole that, like the the two or three paragraphs that summed up all the stuff that she was doing for the sex cult. And I'm like, "Yo, Allison, what what is what is wrong with you?" That is so gross. Yeah, like all of that shit is so like skin crawly. Like like that is uh, I, I told you that on on the way down on a vacation I watched Taken. Like we we talked about that mm-hmm. stuff and like that stuff just like the 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 you know, sex trafficking stuff that was happening that like destroyed me like that. I have a really hard time with that. I think I found the the thing in movies that just makes me uncomfortable enough to like on its surface, you know, it doesn't really matter whether how it's treated. Like it just, I makes me my skin crawl. Yep. And I think that's it. Um, there's like posters in the airport about it now too, where it's like, you have to be on the lookout for like, you know, young, young women traveling with older men where they look uncomfortable or they have like, you know, strange tattoos and shit like that. And I'm like, I, this is a lot. You know, like this is just a lot. Uh, and the lady from much. Smallville did it, so yeah, it is too much. Yeah. So, so Xavier's not as bad as Smallville, but like he is, uh, you know, he's he's doing these little things that he probably considers harmless that he eventually will make part of his moral code not to do, kinda. Sometimes uh, in these movies, but not in all movies. <laughs> unless yeah, he's unless he's a redhead and really powerful. Yes, yeah, I, <laughs> true. Um, so, but Raven uh, is trying to cockblock him. Yeah, uh, so, comes up and introduces himself as a sister and duplicates mm-hmm. the eye thing, showing off her powers to kind of fuck with her. And uh, and, and Xavier does not like this immediately, like shuts her down, like, OK, yeah. let's let's go. We're going to get out of here. And uh, this is going to set up this thing where Raven is is kind of questioning why she has to hide and like why it's easy for some mutants like Charles, where his powers are invisible um, to say, you know, stuff like a mutant and proud. Whereas Raven, who can't show off her, her true form because everyone would run screaming because she's a beautiful chick that's dressed up in blue paint. Um, yes. Just, just like yeah. Rebecca remain. 
uh, just still looks good, y'all. <laughs> just gonna say, like, still a very yeah. attractive woman. Uh, but it's gonna set up like this whole arc for 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 Raven throughout this entire throughout this entire trilogy, which I think is really really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and she uh, it also sets up some stuff with their relationship. Like she's like, "Would you date me?" And he's like, "You know, you're like my sister." And he's very obviously uncomfortable by this. And she's like, "Yeah, but what if I wasn't?" And he's like, "Of course." And then she goes like, "Would you when I'm like this?" You know, and turns into her real her real form. Uh, and she she's just like he's just like well, you know really uncomfortable and definitely wouldn't yeah you know, i don't know i don't know what's, don't know what's gotten into you lately like you keep talking about yeah. your, your, your looks changes the subject yeah you know like why are you so vain like he's he's doing some real classic kind of scumbag like bad emotion you know bad friend like he's being a real shitty friend and that continues mm-hmm. throughout this um you know and it, it's it's really sad like this this thing you know you have to you have to really feel for mystique who like during this whole time gets to watch xavier who literally has everything handed to him you know that's that's what we're getting from the interest intro of this movie is that he has everything he has a power that no one can see that gives him unlimited power and also was born with unlimited power because he's a white guy in the 60s with tons of wealth yep you know he has all the power in the world and uh mystique just can't be herself it's the simplest thing in the world that she wants and she can't have it like it is super sad uh this this ends with her basically saying like hey i I need to get to sleep why don't you read me some of your thesis because that puts me right to sleep and uh of course this thesis kind of bleeds over to the next scene uh because it's about you know how the neanderthals went to extinct when homo sapiens evolved and just basically killed yes. all of them and uh we get him reading that as eric uh, as grown eric we're not going to really see like kid kids anymore so we can just say eric yeah uh walks into like a swiss bank and uh he is trying to basically trying to store this Nazi gold where this banker is like, well, you know, we're not really legally supposed to touch that or whatever. And he's like, yeah, but I heard you will. And of course the banker's like, yeah. And, uh, Eric, uh, just starts not torturing him, but, uh, just basically bullying him, bullying him. Like the guy reaches over for, this is one of my favorite things in the movie. The guy reaches to like hit the security button and Eric just pulls him up by his gold watch and just slaps him in the face. Like his uses his own hand to slap him in the face. It's not even a punch or anything. It's just a, like, why are you hitting yourself kind of thing? I'll fucking love it, man. It's just so great. It's so casually disrespectful, which I think is right up Eric's wheelhouse. It's um I didn't uh, I didn't rewatch the movie for this recording but mm-hmm. I watched it a couple months ago with you and then I but I watched some scenes and I watched this scene and the other scene where he's you know tracking down Shaw. Both of them have a moment of like light comedy in the middle of like real darkness that feels very intentional to me mm-hmm. as part of what they're trying to do with the tone of these movies to make them a little bit lighter. You know because the X-Men 2 specifically but like all the X-Men movies are very dark. They have a couple of jokes. You know there's like you know wolverine calling cyclops a dick but like for the most part they're very dark both of these scenes which like this is this is uh god what what, munich you know this is this is somebody hunting down nazi war criminals and killing them with superpowers like this is extremely dark and they have to put they put a joke in both of them to just kind of make it feel a little better and this like what you know stop hitting yourself thing which is really cool and disrespectful to your point but it is a little lighter than what happens next which which is him tearing out his fillings from his teeth like which is like pretty dark and, and and gross you know torturing this man essentially to get the name of his clients um and they have to lighten it up a little bit because otherwise it just like it cannot be all super sad for mystique oh my god magneto's like hunting down the people who killed his family like i'd be down for that but that's not what they're going for um it is again a really fine line it's kind of pressing in 2011 that we get a like a oh hey it's it's actually fun to kill nazis (laughs) 
it's fun to hunt yeah, Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Like we should we should probably do this more often. Wow, the isn't Eric such great. a good person that he's you know hunting down and ripping the five yeah. fillings out of Nazi sympathizers? And uh, I, this, I I love the next scene. Yeah, yeah this, with him like that we get to the uh, here when he rips out the filling and the camera perspective changes from inside the dude's mouth and you actually see the filling rip out is like very yeah. uncomfortable and, and kind of cringe inducing to me. Like I don't I don't I do not like do not want that. Yeah, there's there's a Grant Morrison comic called Sebastian O. Mm-hmm. which is which is one of his lesser things it's like a little mini series did for vertigo but uh one of the the villains in it is a character who uh rips out people's teeth and then at one point he rips out uh after he's done so the person's like you know you can't he's like oh you can't you'll hurt me and he rips out his gums oh my god like with, with a pair of pliers and it's one of the most disturbing like things like fuck it, it really stuck with me as a really gross thing so and but you know not recommended or anything it's like definitely like the bottom half of grant morrison stuff sure yeah um, just 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 in case that we have any gum enthusiasts out there you wanted to make sure yeah, that they... <laughs> the uh <laughs> you, you gumballs out there the um then we switch over here now this is this is a weird choice that they made in this movie because we switch over to vegas where two fbi agents are staking out this meeting of the hellfire club which like i knew the villains of this movie are gonna be the hellfire club and i'm down for the hellfire club um and but one of them is moria mctaggart so they totally transmorphed her character like she has nothing to do with her comic book or any other appearance she is now a super 60s spy yeah she's less. a cia agent i think i said fbi in the, in the notes i think she's cia so um, yeah because later on we're going to learn that so that that was that was on me but um yeah they're watching um this colonel from uh this nato colonel meet up with like mobsters and criminals and like basically they're trying to figure out if this dude's a, a communist sympathizer and uh yeah. when they see all of these uh like showgirls go walking in it's obvious like the entertainment um moira does not hesitate she just quickly strips out of her cia uniform which i guess is just an overcoat and it like she's fully decked out of lingerie and she goes to like she blends in with these women to be able to get in and uh very quickly discovers and and this one we're introduced to emma frost for the first time and emma frost is uh like we mentioned at the start january jones uh i don't I really like January Jones in Mad Men. I think she does a, an absolutely stellar job in that. She's just like she's she's kind of has that smoldering intensity thing happening in Mad Men, which I, I really dig. Like she just looks angry all the time without necessarily like yelling. Uh, here she's not. She's kind of given the role of a seductress, which is in in Emma Frost's wheelhouse. But I don't necessarily feel like she does a great job of it. And then the entire time she's dressed in the most like ridiculous white lingerie, which again is Emma Frost's wheelhouse, but without the kind of dismissive authoritarian tone, I don't, I yes. don't think works as great. She's not owning it. Like she's timid, you know, she, she's, she's on sexual display for other people as opposed to for herself, and, which is what Emma Frost is supposed to be. And in the comics, she always came across like, it's, and I'm not saying like she's, she's whipping dudes into shape or anything, but she always came across as more of a dominatrix type than a subservient type. Uh, and that that's just not here. So when she meets this colonel, she's like, "Oh, you know, Sebastian wants to meet with you directly, and et cetera, et cetera." And w- quickly whisk him away to a private room. It 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 feels, I don't know, man. I just again, I I got bad vibes when we, when I watched this movie the first time about this, and then you know rewatching it mm-hmm. subsequently, I just I just don't like anything that they do with this character. But uh, more, she, of, she should one hundred percent be like, "I'm going to step on your balls and choke you, and you're going to like it." Exactly. Like yeah. it. It mm-hmm. should be. It should be. She should be femdom. Like thumb down is shit. Like I know the black queen is, is typically like this slightly more aggressive one, but even then like Emma Frost is in control of the situation, you know? Um, and the, the thing with January Jones casting in this, like I haven't watched Mad Men, but you can see exactly what they were thinking, right? Like we're doing this swing in sixties version of the X-Men. We got to get somebody from Mad Men, the swing in sixties show. Yep. You know, I think that's the subtitle of the show. 
Um, I haven't seen it, but I think it's called The Swing in 60s. It's 100%. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Hi- heist of the century. <laughs> the Swing in 60s show. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Mad Men, it's a six season heist <laughs> show. And what's weird yeah, is so- that uh, I can't remember her name right here, but the redhead from um, from Mad Men, I think would make a better Emma Frost. Like she's. I think, like as she's been in blonde, she's been blonde in other movies. So like hair color doesn't mm. matter, but uh, she's got more of a kind of a like a stare down, dismiss you attitude. And, and you know, I think she would have been. I cannot remember the name of that woman, but um, I think she would have been better for, for this than if they wanted to get the a quote unquote Mad Men chick. What they were going for was the idea that like Emma Frost is like this ice queen, mm-hmm. you know, like that she was kind of cold and aloof, and they just make her come off as cold. And as Emma Frost's character evolved, like, you know, I talk a lot of sugar about the Grant Morrison new X-Men. And one of the reasons is I think that's when that character got good. You know, like, uh, he's the first person to write her as, uh, aloof, but like funny and cutting and human, as opposed to just like this weird, uh, you know, Dombot, you know, that she kind of is in the the eighties and nineties and, and early two thousands. So more or less a complete failure. There's nothing really that I like with Emma Frost in this movie. No, um, even, and this, this goes down in all effects. The, the one action that she does where later where she presents a psychic projection of herself, like fooling around with the guy while she's just sitting on the couch, kind of bored felt like an Emma Frost thing. And I still don't think the, the performance carries it. Yep. And yeah, just to, so. just to clarify, I was talking about Christina Hendricks when I was talking about the, ah, yes. the other person from Red yeah. Mad Men. So, uh, Moira follows Emma, who takes uh, this colonel into a kind of a private room booth. But when Moira gets there, they they don't. Um, she, there's nobody there. So uh, yes, Moira starts. She closes the the curtain behind her and starts trying to figure out where they went. Uh, meanwhile, the colonel goes into and we meet Sebastian Shaw, the modern day Sebastian Shaw, who uh, no longer has a German accent, is still dressed like perfectly and still looks just as young as he did, like you know, twenty something years later or whatever. Yes, um, which is explained. Which is, which will be explained, yeah. And Shaw is all about wanting these colonel, this colonel to position uh, Jupiter missiles or missiles in Jupiter. I feel like I'm no, talking it's, about I think tor- it's Jupiter missiles. <laughs> I think I'm talking about a Tori Amos album. Hold on, missiles in Jupiter, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> he doesn't want a suborbital like missile platform. Like it's not quite. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely they missiles. They reimagine the Cuban missile <laughs> crisis to be about the moons of Io shooting and, fiery death upon, and that's how Earth's they meet moons, Shiar, like, and that's how they. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, we we got the director's director's cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, um, he wants to position these Jupiter missiles near Russia, and the colonel is like, "Hey, that's going to create a war." And this is and Shaw. This is where we see Shaw's kind of intimidating intimidation style, where he's just like, "Nope, I'm, you're just going to do it for me." And uh, meanwhile, Mora has found the secret button to get into the secret room, and uh, this is where we are introduced to the concept that I love that this movie carries throughout it is that there's one way to get into the secret room. And then there's a secret, secret way to get into the secret, secret room inside of it. And it's I'll, all the Great Hollow, dude. <laughs> it's just this, like it's, it's the Great Hollow all the way down. <laughs> I love it so much. Behind the treasure <laughs> like, chest is a hidden wall, which contains another treasure chest and another hidden wall. <laughs> hidden wall, yeah. You would, you would not think it, and that, that's that's the Hellfire Club secret. The uh, here, and one of the things that's kind of a bummer about this movie, like I love the Hellfire Club. This is the only scene that feels like the Hellfire Club, where it's like them and they're kind of like swanky '60s regalia you know kind of doing their socialite thing after this they're just super villains like they're on a yacht at one point but that's really (laughs) yeah that's really it after this they're just super villains one of the other kind of dumb things that happens here too is the uh so shaw's like no you're gonna do it he brings out uh riptide who starts making uh like a tornado in front of him 
And the guy's like, would you put in my drink? And kind of like squints at it. And the guy who does the Colonel is not doing a great performance either. And it is so obvious that he's staring at a tennis ball on a stick yeah. uh, and not actually reacting to what's there. And he doesn't act scared at all until the, the tornado throws him against the wall. Like he's not, you know, weirded out. He doesn't like whenever a character, something supernatural happens and people on screen aren't scared. It always takes me out of a scene. You know, I, I just, I just feel like you should be, you should be afraid of the supernatural bullshit. In, in all fairness, uh, like Riptide's not very scary though. <laughs> I mean, again, I saw that dude at Target the other day. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy that just keeps trying to upsell me on a protection plan for my 4K TV. Like, I don't actually think that he's <laughs> serious threat. I mean, it's annoying, but it's not a serious threat. I really don't think I need yeah. a two-year plan. I really don't. I buy TV every year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but you're absolutely right. I'm just going to go on my wall. This Colonel guy is going to show up and he's, he's like classic military too. Like, I feel like I've seen this dude in every single Tom Clancy movie ever, ever made. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I probably know his actor too. Like I, he, we, I, I don't remember. I don't think I have it on our list of, of people of references, but, um, yeah, like this, and this is, you know, fine, I guess like this is kind of showing off what these, what these people can do. Uh, meanwhile, Moira is investigating in the room, um, and she's finding like Russian intelligence and, she she hears the colonel get thrown against the wall and she like peeks through this book ca- bookcase to figure out what's going on and that's where uh shaw and emma walk up and emma just has her secondary mutation because that looks dope so yeah sure. she turns into diamond form um and uh we, we, which uh in rewatching it the weakness of diamond or rewatching scenes of it the re- weakness of diamond form is a bedpost yep the only thing that can crush a diamond is a bedpost um, the one weakness of the hardest substance known to, you know, outside of adamantium. There's a, um, uh, I've been watching Jessica Jones, the se- season two of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a scene where there's a, a su- I'm not going to say any spoilers, but there's a, there's a, a super, a super powered, uh, person. And, um, she's brought her own shackles. Cause she's like, I have night terror. So you're going to need to like shackle me to this bed or else I'm just going to like mm-hmm. fuck the whole room up. And I'm like, that's still just like an Ikea bed though. Like the shackles <laughs> may be pretty strong, but then you're just a superpower yeah. person that has like these enormous metal indestructible arms swinging off of your arms. Like that seems worse. You're, you're, you're going to turn into the end boss of silent Hill too. Like the, 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 if, if your powers go off, like the, um, so she, uh, uh Moira sees, uh, them di- uh, disappear. Like Azazel teleports them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and sees this and goes back to call her boss. Her boss doesn't believe her because of sexism. So she's like, you know, this guy has powers. I'm going to check in with Xavier. Xavier knows about genetics. He's a famous, you know, he's kind of famous at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, then we switch to one of my favorite scenes in this movie. I think this um, is my favorite where, scene in the movie. Like, yeah, this is extremely good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely good. Um, where Eric is still hunting down Nazis. It's still Munich. Uh, and he's in Argentina, Argentina, which is, you know, famously a real world haven for Nazis. Like a lot of Nazis. War criminals went to go live in Argentina uh, after the war. Yeah. And so he, and, he walks uh, yeah. in to this bar, um, which is a kind of a, like an, a, a very, very much a, a dressed up Oktoberfest kind of joint. <laughs> if you can picture that <laughs> there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a picture on the wall with Shaw and uh, two of the guys who are just kind of casually sitting down at a table. There's a third guy attending bar uh, and Eric just kind of wanders in uh, Michael Fassbender looking amazing in like some mm-hmm. some some just relaxed fit clothes and just looking just looking dope. <laughs> he looks like like a Tim Heidecker character. Like he's dre- he's dressed like Tim Heidecker. He's like, so good. Uh, yeah. He or- he walks up and orders a beer, and that's when he the the two people sitting down kind of engage him in conversation. And uh, this this whole thing where 
Eric pretends to be kind of genial and like, oh, where are you from? Oh, Dusseldorf. Oh, my parents are from Dusseldorf. What do you guys do? And like, one's like, I'm a pig farmer. And the other guy's like, I'm a tailor, have been born and bred. And then kind of sits down with them. And uh, there's this moment of tension because you kind of think something weird is happening here. And uh, Eric very quickly reveals that he his tattoo, of the, the numbers that yeah. are tattooed on his wrist. Before he, before he does that, there's one of my favorite pieces of dialogue in the movie, which was really sharp, where he's like, you know, he's like, my parents were from, from Dusseldorf. And they're like, what were the names? He's like, they don't have names. They were taken away by pig farmers and tailors. That's what it was. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's, it's such a sharp piece of dialogue. It's super good. And it's, it's flipping the script on the thing earlier with Kevin Bacon, where this is the genial threat. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing the same thing. You can see that he, you know, when he, at the end of the scene, you know, he talks about how he's looking for his creator. This is something he learned from Shaw. Right. Like th- this approach, this kind of approach, I'm smiling, you know, and you're going to hurt them, but come at them with a smile is something he literally learned from his tormentor. Um, Super, super good. Again, when I talk about that comedy scene in this, though, they all just chug their beers for a, maybe like four more seconds than you think. <laughs> it's almost like they're having a drink off, man. Like they're, they all lift their beers, yeah. like, toast, and then they all drink. And then over the rims of their glasses, they're all eyeing one another. Like who's going to make yeah. the first move? It's a like, weird, we, we like we both laughed out loud when we were watching it. Like I did again. This, when I watched it then, yesterday, yeah. I cracked up laughing at this because it's just a funny yeah. moment like this. That's, and they're both just dra- They're all three just draining their beers too. Like they're just gulping it down. It's really great. Yeah, it, it, it's very good. Uh, but then, you know, it's time to, then he reveals his tattoo. The two guys start to do something and he's like, you know, the, uh, the fat Nazi pulls out a knife and he's got a Nazi knife with him. Like these guys are staying very on brand, even though they've started new lives. Um, and they're, <laughs> they're the whole, these guys just being like, German beers, very good. They are like the, the whole time they're very <laughs> Nazi. The, uh, but he, he's got the Nazi knife and it says blood and honor, which is that the Nazi slogan. And, and again, like the really sharp dialogue in the scene, he's like blood or honor which do you care to lose first? Uh, and, and he's just like, you know, tell me where Shaw is. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you anything. He goes blood then. And like stabs him in the hand, uh, and proceeds to murder these guys. It's super good. Like, I like the scene quite a bit. I do too. So Um, he, he he stabs this dude in the hand. The guy behind the bar comes out with a gun and Eric forces him to shoot the second guy, the tailor. And then immediately picks up the knife out of the dude's hand. And then like, doesn't throw it, but uses his power to hurl it into the other guy and then zap it back. Like it's, um, like, I don't mean like a fucking like Milner. Yeah. It just, it comes right back to his hand and then stabs it down again on the dude's hand and then dr- finishes the rest of his beer. <laughs> it's, it's, it is so baller. <laughs> it's, it's so really, great. Really good. Uh, and the whole uh, time that Magneto theme that we like so much is playing, right? Like it's just in the background, yeah. like da, 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 da. It's, oh man, it's so good. Yep. Uh, and then he's just like, you know, he's like, I'm looking for, for Shaw. Tell me where he's at, where he is. He saw a picture of the three of them together. And he's like, um, you know, who are you? And he goes, I, let's just say I'm Frankenstein's monster. I'm looking for my creator. Uh, and then again, they're going to continue this, uh, this, uh, crossover, like the, this contrast. We switch over to, uh, Xavier and Xavier's just drinking a beer for fun because he's a college dude who loves to drink and, and have sex because he has a super charmed life. And he just got his, he just got graduated from Cambridge, right? Or Oxford. He graduated yes. from Oxford uh, yeah. college. So he's, you know, he's, he tells, uh, Raven that he's not a professor until he has students, but he's, he's guaranteed a professorship. Like, so like this dude is literally, and he's so young. So he's literally at the top of the world right now. He's having the best yes. time of his life. Yep. Um, so he is going to, uh, Moyer shows up cause she wants to talk to him about mutants and such. And, uh, he, he, he tries to hit on her. She doesn't accept it. He reads her mind and sees that she's seen mutants. He freaks out, sobers up immediately, 
and agrees to help. Uh, so that that's the beginning of the X-Men right there. You know, and you might think that we're bouncing around this pretty quickly, but I guarantee you, if you watch the movie, like these scenes are very short. They're, they're, they're going just hurling through one another. Like we don't get like our full on like training montage until the back third of the movie, which watching it again, I was kind of surprised about. Um, like it's, it just, there's just, again, just doing a whole lot with just a very limited amount of time, even though it's a two and a half hour movie. Well, doing a lot and it's really well paced. Mm-hmm. Like this movie doesn't have like a, a shitty slow middle you know, that, that I, that I noticed in watching it, you know, I'd like, if I watched it again, right after I saw it, like I might get bored, but when we watched it again, it is paced really, really well for being long and doing a lot, you know, and, and I, I just feel like it does a good job. And part of that is the very, very quick scenes. It's like written like a Kurt Vonnegut novel. Like it's all, you know, short, like page long chapters. Exactly. Um, we go, we go over to, uh, Shaw's yacht cause you gotta have a yacht mm-hmm. where, uh, Emma Frost is just laying out in the sun and, uh, Riptide is just standing around in a suit that he, he borrowed from his target. Um, yep. the, 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 the Colonel shows up and Shaw wants to know if he had sold him out because he got word that somebody was reporting on him. Uh, and of course the Colonel says, which we no. know is actually Moira. Yeah. Colonel says no. Emma Frost confirms it. And that's when they kind of moved to kill the Colonel. Uh, but the Colonel has brought some insurance. He brought this grenade and said like, if you don't give me my money and let me leave, I'm going to blow us all up and nobody leaves. And, uh, yes. this, this is where we get, uh, Shaw's power, which is extremely cool and very well realized in, in this movie. I like, I love the way that his power kind of works. So Shaw does not take shit we- from anybody. It doesn't have a visual effect in the comics. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same power. They did a good job of, uh, you know, of of being accurate so sebastian shaw absorbs energy like kinetic energy and turns it into strength um here it also keeps him young uh but it does allow him to, and he kind of i guess it's not that accurate he uses it for like energy beams from time to time but what happens here is he just kind of walks up and he's like takes the grenade pulls the pin himself and just waits for it to explode and uh he just absorbs it all which is something you know sebastian shaw could really do um, and when he does it, he has all this kinetic energy. He just taps the the colonel and and kills him. Yeah, dude, you know, kills flying. him immediately. And yep. I love like when the grenade explodes, we see like this kind of blurred hands. Um, mm-hmm. not not that Robin Thicke song, blurred hands. Not not, not the yeah. other one. Um, <laughs> no. we, we see his blurred hands kind of just going around this ball of energy, and it just looks very cool as he starts compressing it down like into his chest. And uh, we're gonna see yeah. like that his kind of his power for like big explosions throughout the rest of the movie, and it it never stops looking cool to me. So. Yeah. Yep. And I, I like the, the kind of confidence of waiting this long to reveal it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the villain and we're like an hour into this movie and he's just now kind of showing the cool shit he can do. Yeah. Um, so uh, Xavier is giving his uh, kind of mutant presentation to the CIA being like, listen, there are mutants. This is why I think these are leaps in evolution, et cetera. They don't believe them. So he reads their minds and, and freaks them out. Um, they wig out, of course. Yeah. Of course they do. Mm -hmm. And then when they don't, when they kind of think like, oh, hey, you know, I've seen this magic tricker before. Um, He's, you know, specifically calls out William Stryker's dead. Uh, So that's kind of interesting, like a connection back to the original movies and and that horrible Wolverine movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But then Raven jumps up and then turns into Stryker. And that's the, that's the kind of thing that seals it when everybody starts freaking out. And uh, basically the, the CIA director person is like, you need to get them out of here before I just, and then I'll decide what to do with them. And that's when we find out that Oliver Platt, who is credited as, um, what is he credited as? I think it's literally yeah, man in black suit. (laughs) Good good job. Oliver Platt's agent, I guess like get that dude a name. (laughs) What are you doing? Well, the the, the frustrating, there's a, the F the X-Men in the sixties had a FBI buddy. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. There, there's an X-Men supporting character who's, like, their FBI buddy. I don't know why he didn't get to be that guy. Because <laughs> he does it. Because Oliver Platt yeah. has a bad agent. Have you seen yeah, Lake Placid? <laughs> what is he doing in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if he had a better agent, it could be Lake Platted. You know, it just didn't happen. So, <laughs> But Oliver Platt says, hey, I, I've got a facility that can take him in. And um, it, the next scene we see Mora kind of walking with her partner, who is this, like, goofus dude that is never going to be seen again in the movie. And I just, <laughs> I kind of hate it throughout the movie. Uh, when we see like a, like a miniature example of, of Xavier's power from the future, which is the ability to kind of freeze people in place and then talk to the people that he doesn't freeze. Um, so he just freezes this dude in place while he's drinking water and tells Moira like, Hey, I know you have a line on Shaw. We need to go to him directly. And they, they basically just jet so they can go, uh, you know, basically like attack this yacht with the Coast Guard, (laughs) which seems a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it it seems like they they should know they don't come really prepared for what's going to happen. I just yeah. I find it weird that because they make it look like uh, like Xavier talks to to Moira, and then uh, Moira walks outside and meets with Oliver Platt, and then like her and Raven and Oliver Platt and all get in the same car together, and like Xavier just tells Oliver Platt like, "Hey, she's got a lead. We need to go after it." And then the next time we see them, they have like. The full brunt of the ghost guard behind them, but I kind of felt like they were going yeah. rogue on the CIA. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of weird. It, it, it escalates quickly. Yeah, it um, does. So and and they have to get them together. So coincidentally, at the exact same time they're heading to Shaw, uh, Eric has found out about Shaw. Yep. So he he shows up on the boat to, to confront him. You know, but he doesn't know that Shaw has other mutants with him. So Emma drops him, and yeah. then uh, Shaw punches him off the boat. Well, Emma Emma punches him off the boot, and then oh, Shaw right. like yeah, yeah. chides her and says like, "Oh, we don't we don't hurt our own kind." Um, and the kind of yeah. one of the one of the first of a few examples of Shaw kind of um, being real shitty to Emma Frost throughout this, which again just kind of rakes <laughs> against my like. I just Emma Frost would not take that shit. <laughs> like I'm just saying, yeah. even if it was Sebastian Shaw, she would not take that shit. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. That's when the Coast Guard shows up and like they, they, they light up the place with flares. They've got um, whatever those little black thin boats are coming after the, the thing. Uh, at the same time, Eric kind of pops up out of the water and he's pissed. So he starts pulling up the chains and starts, you know, shredding this boat at the same time that Riptide sends, you know, yeah. hurricane gale force winds to the, to the Coast Guard. So full on mutant explosion right now. Yep. Um, unfortunately, so Eric ends up being under this, uh, there, there's a submarine on the ship. The ship deploys a submarine. It's a submarine yacht. <laughs> secret rooms um, in secret he, rooms in secret rooms. <laughs> yeah. um, he grabs onto it magnetically to kind of uh, to hold on, but he's like, you know, this whole time he's underwater. Um, you know, and Xavier reaches out, reads his mind, and knows he's about to drown. Like checks his stats, uh, so jumps in, gives him like a very tender embrace, and convinces him with his mind, like you're going to drown if you don't come. Like come with me, we'll we'll help you, and we'll we'll take care of this. So we switch over to our first like X Men scene where uh, we meet up at the CIA base where that Oliver Platt runs. We have uh, you know Moira, uh, Mystique, Xavier, and Magneto being joined uh, because they have a uh, uh, he already has a mutant here. You know they meet Hank, uh, meet the Beast, who's making the the Blackbird, mm-hmm. the X Men plane, and Hank has been hiding that he's a mutant. Uh, Xavier knows him and immediately outs him, which seems bad yeah immediately and again uh, this here. is just an example of, of xavier abusing his powers i think like just immediately reads the dude's mind and all of the dude's business uh like oh let me oh hi, hi it's nice to meet you gary oh wow i see that you you know used to masturbate when you were 11 years old that's interesting like that's just the <laughs> shittiest thing to do <laughs> yeah 
yeah it, it's it's not it's not great like he, he should not do it and he he outs him and he's also got kind of an embarrassing mutation because the way they do human beast like human beast in the comics is like strong and kind of big like he just looks like a linebacker mm-hmm. here they just give him the grossest fucking prehensile feet that i've ever seen in my life boy do you remember uh, uh i don't know if i ever posted the screenshot but in the jack the ripper episode of the animated series um where they come across that dead body they show where he does his ripping <laughs> where they show where he does his ripping <laughs> but they show that like weird for that weird angle where it's just that dude's foot in the foreframe and like xavier's ancestor yeah. in the back like it looks like that like it's like that ugly ass foot yep super super gross but he's he's somebody who can hide his mutant power with socks like he he's fine you know like and, and up until xavier decides to tell everybody and he has to demonstrate his power which he does by flipping up and grabbing something with his feet and i just imagine I, in real life everyone just been like oh away, dude, dude. Like, <laughs> we're gonna have to Ugh. touch that later what are you doing <laughs> yeah. yeah i use that pole um <laughs> the uh these gross feet made the sandwiches you're eating oh dude yeah i don't <laughs> just, i don't like yeah. that at all um yeah. So we go back to our, our villains and uh, Eric and excuse me, uh, Emma and uh, Shaw are watching the news and basically Russia's like, oh, we don't like this whole missile thing. Did we mention that they actually forced the colonel to move the, the, the missile? So they're kind of heightening this this yeah. this tension between the United States and Russia. Um, Russia is basically their, saying their like, plan is to cause a war. Yeah. Russia is saying, oh, hey, the, the U.S. moved these, these missiles, which is a, an act of aggression. But, you know, Russia is not going to be the one to instigate it. And like you and I commented on this, the. This whole time, like Russia seems so reasonable during this episode. During this movie, <laughs> the whole time they're like, "No, we're not, we're yeah. good. We're just going to hang out. We're, we don't want really want to start anything with the United States right now." It was a cool choice to make Russians the like the kind of the peaceniks mm-hmm. in this, you know. And and it's not what you would expect. Like, there's I'm so used to those guys in American media being the bad guy. Like, they're, they're the people who Arnold Schwarzenegger fought through the entire 80s. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Shaw also introduces a, a he, he gets some equipment. So he's got the, he's had the Russians make him a um, basically a telepathy helmet that we recognized as uh, Magneto's quintessential, you know, tele, telepathy blocking helmet. The uh, I, I find this weird for a number of reasons. Like, number one, I always like the idea of Magneto creating this like very carefully, like forging this metal with his power so that it would, you know, block telepathic yeah. blah, 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 blah. Uh, but here it's just the Russians did it. And like, Shaw, why did you do this? Like, are you just trying to fuck with yeah. Emma? <laughs> like, is that it? You just yeah. were, <laughs> you were just having some shitty thoughts about Emma and we're like, Oh, I got to hide this. I can't have her seeing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. God, she can't act. And then I just can't, uh, can't let her know. <laughs> I'm fucking Kevin Bacon and I'm, I'm working across this. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, six degrees of me. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, he has her go give him ice because he's, because it's the sixties and sexist and she's not as assertive as she should be in here. Uh, because the, uh, they put the, uh, the sub in the Arctic. She goes upstairs to get ice from a glacier, which is just like dumb and stupid, but whatever. Um, Hank and Raven's relationship kind of starts. They talk about being normal. Um, you know, and they're having this little picnic, this scene, uh, here. Gary. I love this scene so this much. This is very funny. This is this is probably <laughs> this is, one of the funniest scenes in, in the thing. Unintentionally this, funny scenes in this movie. We we uh we've never done it. It would be too late to do this. I'm not going to go back through all of them. But like, if I ever wanted to make like a just a an ebook, like coffee table books of like the greatest hits of your notes mm-hmm. you've made, there's a real good one here, which is uh this is get, this is a real flirty blood getting session with Twinkies and Cokes. <laughs> 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 very funny this is a flirty blood getting session 
I mean, he basically at some point, and they're going to have this conversation. But he's like, "Oh yeah, I wanted to get a sample of your blood. Uh, let's go sit in this vent because like behind them is this giant turbine. Uh, let's go sit in this vent, and uh, I'm going to bring Twinkies, grapes, and soda. Tur- turbine, turbine. Just, yeah. If there's um, a gi- gi- giant uh, tur- turbine, if there's a giant turbine, that's a, that's a very different. Like Mojo Jojo's there, and he's gonna like one of the meter the types. Of girls to come. One of the meter types I sell are turbine meters, so I'm just like I can't get turbine out of like I can't. I, I oh can't, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's become a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, they're sitting in this giant chamber, like again, Twinkies and sodas, and then he just has his works. Like he has like his all of his needles, <laughs> and it's like I bet you thought it was weird when a guy asked you to up here to be alone so I could get some of your blood, and she's like, yeah, but I thought it was hot. Like she's kind of into it too. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. What is going on? <laughs> I felt like I couldn't. Um, I, I I don't think I looked. I meant to look last night and I far, I forgot. But I I feel like this is a deleted scene or something. But it comes up so well. So like it's going to be a big thing for the rest of the movie. So maybe it can't be. I, I don't know. Mm. Oh, like this whole thing is it not getting the blood? I think I think some of like their makeout scene might have been like, oh, okay. the, the like the the absolutely you know, God tier ass grad that he does. Oh, that's in the is, next I movie. I think that though. might, Oh, you're, you're right. Actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're going to, we'll get up. there in like five or six episodes, my man. We're, don't worry. We're there, not going to forget there's, about there's that ass grab. Like, like an S rank, like just Ooh. like double handful of booty that dude grabs. Like, can, can you make a, a gif into podcast art is what we're going to have to ask ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. Like, I love it when, um, like a, a sex or makeout act that happens a lot in real life, like actually gets shown that is never shown on screen actually is though. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I love that as a thing. Cause you just don't see things like that very much. Like that, it, it felt, it's, it's funny, but it's also like kind of real. Um, but anyway, so they're, they're going to kiss, but Eric shows up to, yeah. to cock block. And just to uh, just to put it out there, he's trying to figure out a way. He's trying to figure out a serum to uh, change their mutant appearance, but not change their mutant abilities. So he he wants yes. to he wants to be able to wear comfortable shoes to work, and he and Mystique wants <laughs> to just look like Jennifer Lawrence all the time. Stop um, buying them from the special store, <laughs> just the big and tall foot store. Yeah, <laughs> are your feet big and tall? Big and tall <laughs> we got foot. the shoes for you, yeah. homie. I mean, you're, you're regular, relatively average height, but your feet, however, are tall. Does that make sense? <laughs> it doesn't have to come to the, the big and tall shoe store. We don't ask questions at the um, big and tall store. <laughs> um. So Eric, Eric is going to is going to leave. Uh, he's going to steal the plane, or steal uh, uh, you know, uh, all and, of and actually. The files on Shaw, not the plane. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're the files. So, yeah, I think he's going to take off, and, and maybe he wasn't going to steal the plane. I can't remember. But Xavier stops him. Xavier is like, hey, you know, you don't have to do this alone. Like, I've seen this hate in your heart. It's not going to help. Like, we can help you. Yeah. You know. I, I like the um, line here of, like, uh, Shaw has friends. Like, what, is, maybe you should have some, too. Um, yeah. Which is, which is really And, it, and cool. it works really well, because when, when Magneto just tried to go it alone, he immediately got shut down by Emma Frost. So I don't know exactly what his plan was, but it's, you know, this is smart. Like, get get your team. Platt at this point, you know, coincidentally reveals that he has a way for Xavier to find some other mutants. Like he's been like, he's this kind of mutant researcher. The man in black suit has always been this mutant researcher. Uh, so he has a way to do it. Um, Eric comes back and says like, Hey, mutants, you know, mutants should be the people to find other mutants. Like we should do it. The government shouldn't do it. Xavier agrees. So they introduce Cerebro. This seems really strange to me because they, in X-Men 1, they talked about how uh, Xavier and Magneto built this, built Cerebro together. Um, they they kind of joined yeah. forces to build it. it. I mean, it obviously makes sense to have kind of the basics of this here, for like for the, um, Hank kind of, you know, designing this stuff. But the fact that he's like, what has he been tying this into? Like, if it's not Xavier, 
because it's literally the same height as Xavier's head. <laughs> like, does he have any other telepaths? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems like a weird machine to build if you don't know telepaths exist. It'd be like, it'd be like if, uh, <laughs> it'd be like if Toyota built a, a car for Banshee without knowing Banshee exists. Like, yeah, you just scream into the dirt in the steering wheel and it just goes. You don't need any gas. And he, like, everyone's like, scream how loud for how long? Nobody does this. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like, I mean. Even when Cerebro, when they built it together, that was a little bit of the the widening of jobs of X-Men characters where it's like, boy, so you guys are super scientists as well, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, here, at least, you know, Hank helped make it. You know, it was it was a, a super scientist helped make it. Um, and it, it's a retcon. But Cerebro is, is kind of a thing is, is kind of a little bit problematic. Like thinking about Cerebro's origins, you know. And I also feel like whenever Cerebro shows up, they kind of act like I'm going to care more than I do. I think like I'm just gonna be like, oh yeah, you know, like I think Shree Rose kind of cool, but it tends to be more of a function thing. Like it fulfills a function in in the shows. The uh, the effect is always is always fun. Um, I love to see, it, and that's where you get your cameos. Yeah, you know, so I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, we see um, as, as he puts it on, and like all of the '60s like diode computers start clicking and turn it on, and like dot matrix printers start yeah. spitting out coordinates and stuff. Like, I really like the fact that they stylized all this stuff, and uh, it's it's really good. But yeah. uh, we we start seeing him like go through hordes of people that are all kind of gray, except for specific ones that are in color. Uh, and we we do definitely see a young Storm, and we see a young Cyclops. Uh, I didn't yeah. I didn't I didn't catch anybody else. I don't know if they put anybody else in here, but that's that's all. No, itself. no, they, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty uh, pretty ginger with the cameos in this one. Um, they end up, uh, they come up on the stripper lady with wings, uh, there. And then this, now we're in this recruitment, uh, montage with like a bunch of sixties, like framing devices. We didn't really talk about this movie as shot, but it does a bunch of like kind of sixties movies, like comic book panels moving around awesome power shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it. (laughs) It's it's something that I think is, is dates this movie in a way. Like, I feel like this is very early two thousands for some reason. Like, I don't don't know, Mm. like rewatching it. I was just like, man, this is. Like there's a there's there's one scene later on and I'm I'm not gonna remember to call it out but like there's just three scenes of Banshee like looking like they just they just copied the same like him just looking at the camera or whatever and yeah. I'm like why are there it's three the of Banshees montage. on the screen yeah yeah don't like that at all it's it it's not like the whole movie doesn't do it like I, I get what they're doing you know but the thing they they don't follow this into the next movie you know like they kind of do some shooting tricks like some things with the um the set design and kind of film stock and things to make it look a little seventies during parts but. <clears throat> it's not quite as gimmicky during the next movie. It's like, it feels a little gimmicky. I don't mind it so much, but it's also, I don't think it adds a whole lot either. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a way to spice up montages. So this, this is their beginning of our, this is a recruitment montage. Um, you know, we get the, they go to this, this strip club and they're just two swinging, swinging cats, baby that do behave. And, uh, they're like, you know, show us your, show us your gift. And she starts taking out her titties and he's like, no, show us your other gifts. And then this is Angel from the new X-Men uh, thing who has insect wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, and they're just like, mm, ring-a-ding-ding, you know, and, and toast each other after seeing this young woman's tits. Like, it's it's real weird swinging 60s sexism gross. I, I don't uh, I don't particularly like this. Uh, and the fact that, like, the character from the comics is completely different for this. When I saw the trailer for this, it reminded me when I was watching it back and when we were starting to talk at the beginning of the episode. Um, when I saw Angel was going to be in it, I was like, oh, that'll be interesting because she was always extremely combative with the X-Men. Like, she was always kind of pushing at the boundaries of what she was doing at that school. And uh, definitely not a not a stripper, not a 60s, like, just straight up yeah. know, stripper that was kind of really into it. And uh, they also do the thing where she, like, slowly takes off her shirt and spreads her wings and you're and they're obviously like the guys are acting like oh man those are those are some those are some those are some memories we are staring at some memories 
Barry's boys. Yeah, those are tight tits. And then she yeah. she floats up, and then the camera rotates from their perspective, and she's just totally wearing a shirt again. Which I don't expect them to put tits in a X Men <laughs> movie. I don't need them to, but it's just like you yeah. made such a big deal out of it. Like, what? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Her secondary mutation is to grow like a miniature shirt over her titties, <laughs> which seems like the like exact opposite of mutant power for a stripper that you would want for a stripper. He, but whatever. Even when she's not, um, even though they don't, you know, they, they don't do this version of the real character. They don't do anything with this character. Like this, this is a very flat character in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's true of most of the the kids that we're going to meet. Like the only one I think that has like real character is Banshee or as uh, Havoc rather. Yeah, Havoc is, is pretty um, interesting you know, in this. Yeah, so they're they're all pretty flat here. So this this isn't super good. Um, they meet up with uh, Alex Summers, who uh, you know they they take him. He's like he's he's in jail. And it's like he's the only one who prefers solitary confinement. You know, uh, so this is Havoc, and uh, he's you know when I say he's got good character, it's not great. He's not Magneto. He's just angry, which makes him he has one more character trait than the other guys do. Also, some of his muscles you know? have muscles. I just want to mention that yeah, he's when, when this dude stands team, up, yeah. like he's his his like his shoulder muscles are higher than his ears. Like they're he's just like a. <laughs> but when he but like throughout most of the movie, he's he's kind of look he looks kind of like a slimmer dude. So I don't know if it was just the shot or whatever. But like when he was standing up, he just like hulks out all of a sudden. It's very strange. They, yeah, they CGI'd a bunch of muscles onto him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Banshee, who again is the the brother from Get Out, uh, and he uh, he gets dumped in an aquarium. He uses his powers to like scare a bunch of fish, which doesn't actually show what his powers are very well yeah um, and i didn't really understand what he was doing because like he tries to pick up on this girl and she's like i'd rather date the fish and then he scares all the fish away but she just looks at him like you're a crazy person why are you still talking to me <laughs> yeah yeah also you're a free you're a mutant freak we, you don't exist yet mm-hmm. get me out of here um they also meet up with logan which in a real fun little cameo uh here who like they try to recruit him and he says uh, go fuck yourself and uh they go hmm. and then leave you know to while the austin powers theme plays in the background yep it's um the a little a fun little easter egg here is that they had done like tons of takes of this for for some reason which whenever i read things like that i'm like oh making a movie is hell i don't want to be like who would want to be an actor like you just say the same excuse me the same things over and over and over um but every other take he had said uh fuck you so this was the first time he had said go fuck yourself and there so their surprise is like kind of genuine because nice. I, I always preferred go fuck yourself to fuck you Me I think too. go fuck yourself is a much more like punchy insult yeah yeah like fuck you is like i know who you are and i'm not i'm not having it and go fuck yourself is like i don't yeah. even i don't even care who you are just please leave my my, my, my doesn't matter of view. who you are yeah, yeah out yeah Take it out. Uh, we go check in on our villains, and uh, Emma is in the sub- submarine and then hits a button in the submarine office, because there's an office in the submarine, to open up the secret door into the uh, nuclear reactor chamber where uh, where Shaw is hanging out. And uh, she's got some, some weird news because, and I, I like this idea a lot because I like the idea of another telepath being able to detect these other telepaths. So mm-hmm. because they're jacking up Xavier's powers, she can feel him like hunting for them. She's still hiding them, but she's like, something's going on. Like they're, they're searching for other people because he's been, his powers are all jacked up and she's, and Shaw's just like, okay, don't worry about it. You go to Russia. I'll go take care of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, so Xavier and, 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 uh, Eric are playing chess at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, it's <laughs> their first chess. Definitely not, uh. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, uh, not, not putting any kind of, you know, yeah. subtext on this at all. Yeah, yeah. A little on <laughs> the nose. In full view of the Capitol, um, mo- the, the, yeah, the, the mo- Capitol, Capitol Steps. Capitol, yeah. 
Yeah, whatever. The uh, yeah, the Washington Monument. Washington Monument. Thank yeah. you. The Capitol yeah. Building. Like, there's lots, there's lots of things you're searching for, man. Like, and they all Jesus. work. Like, <laughs> just mad them in a slightly different way, and you'll get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in Earth six one seven, Washington D.C. right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the, uh, um, so the, uh, and this is our one scene in this movie, which ends up being, uh, turns out to be a strength of the later ones, where it's just the kids hanging out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that ends up being like most of the joys of the third one and a lot of the highlights of the second one. Before we get to the, um, to the kids, so just, just to rewind a little bit, like, mm-hmm. do we want to talk about the, like what Eric and, and Xavier were talking about? Like how Xavier has, excuse me, Eric has concerns about the government being in kind of charge of all this. And like, this is how it oh, starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this start and, you know, Xavier trying to con- comfort him and say like, no, 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 no. Like we have common enemies. Like we have to fight the Russians and Shaw. Like we, we have to be in this together. We have to help each other. Like it's kind of setting the stage for the, the, the ideology ideologies that are going to break them apart at some point. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, 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 yeah, we should definitely talk about that. That's what, what I was implying with like their first chess thing. Cause that's what they do when they play chess, mm-hmm. but I, that probably deserves elaboration, you know? But they they only play chess to to throw philosophical barbs at each other. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> they're actually just playing checkers exhausting. with the chess pieces, but nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they eventually they eventually work their way up. King me, levels. baby, you are a king. We know what I mean. <laughs> king me, baby, do behave. Yeah. Um, the uh, so the the kids are hanging out. And they're just kind of trapped in a room. Like they put them in this rumpus room to like sit and hope they don't get into trouble. Uh, and they're just kind of talking there again. The kids are kind of talking about their version of this. Like, you know what all this stuff means, like what it's like to be post-human and they're getting kind of excited about it. Um, and they, they only get to do this for a very short amount of time. Like they're coming up with, uh, with nicknames during this point. And we're introduced to Darwin who didn't get a recruitment. Or no, was he a cab driver? Yeah, yeah. They 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 just show up in yeah, his he cab, cab and it's like take us over to you know Langley or whatever. And he's like, okay. And I thought he was yeah. going to be a speedster or something because they they were like, no, get us there quick. Or yeah, yeah. He's Darwin is a is a unique character for the movie, right? Like he's not in he wasn't in the comics no, before no. this. Yeah, he, yeah. No, he's he's in the comics. Um, he was um, yeah. He's he's part of um the the team that xavier had before the x-men oh that's from, uh, right genesis, the, the one that uh, died yeah yeah, yeah 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 i totally forgot about that and then dude. he survived he actually like he has a, a career after this i say a career like he went on to host entertainment tonight like mark mcgrath like sure yeah he, yeah. he went on after that so he's he's still around he's his making uh, he's making rpgs like, in boston yeah. is what he's doing that's what yeah. he's that's what his yeah, business is now <laughs> um so so darwin shows up there he picks his thing and does his little power demonstration so darwin's whole thing and for he gets so little screen time in this movie is that he adapts to survive so something tries to hurt him he his body will stop it um which is kind of interesting but it's also like maddeningly vague uh the way he demonstrates this is by sticking his face in a in a fish tank and growing gills which like you are just breathing in tons of fish shit dude that's goddamn gross that is super like, gross like you could probably pick it you could probably yeah. you know toilet water would be better for this than than the, the fish yes <laughs> like at least use the back of the tank that's it's relatively clean um banshee can scream uh he he breaks the window he's got a super creepy get out brother voice like just cover your ears you know like all like <laughs> super deep um angel shows off her her wings and she can also hawk like megalugs yeah like toxic things. explosive megalugs <laughs> like it's yeah. really gross um, which later they're literally like missiles they just yeah, explode they just it's, start exploding yeah it's really bad uh, um <laughs> and alex they're like you know he's like people get hurt when i demonstrate my gifts you know like no no do it so he goes out, they give him a bunch of room and he shoots his, like, he kind of does these energy rings and he has to kind of do a hula hoop mm-hmm. to launch them, but he cuts the statue in half. 
uh, and everyone's like, whoa. And it turns out, however, they have wrecked the place. Moria shows up very disappointed. And then Xavier and Magneto show up and they're very disappointed as well. And it's like, dude, it's like, what do you like? Okay, we're going to recruit you to do this super cool, important mission, but we're going to need you to go sit in this room while we play chess and don't do anything. Yeah, don't talk to you each know, other. Like, I don't, don't know what they expected. Yeah, don't do naturally like, yeah. oh, you're a mutant too. Like the first thing that you're going to do is show off your powers. It happens in every single time. Every single time two mutants meet each other for the first time, there's always like a ching. Somebody lights a fire with their thumb or some shit. Can we, uh, can yep. we, can we discuss why they made the decision to just recruit like teenagers for this mission and not, <laughs> and not just like normal ass adults because that seems like a weird thing like i get it because you want to you want a subservient team like i get i get the reasoning that the movie is doing it but you <laughs> know that would, that would be their stated reason like you know we need you to be subservient <laughs> yeah we um, need you to not like i don't want to untrain you right like i don't need to take you know you work at walmart now you don't work at target anymore get your you know, get all these target <laughs> ideas out of your head uh but it's just it's just very odd if you think about it that they recruited it makes more sense when xavier is a professor that he's going to teach students and that he's going to invite them to, to his home to be a school and all this other stuff that makes sense that you would want to reach out to young kids that are experiencing their powers for the first time uh for the CIA to do it, it just seems creepy. It just seems real fucking weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. The um, and at first I was like, oh, you know, mutants are relatively new. Maybe a bunch of them are young, and maybe a bunch of them are. But Shaw had no problem getting adults. You know, every everyone who who Shaw recruits on his team are all adults, um, or at least you know, young 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 people. You know, mm-hmm. relatively young adults. I mean, like um, mid twenties, yeah, like, this is like mid, mid to late twenties, but not teenagers, which is what you know, yeah. Banshee looks like. Yeah, this is this is this is disappointing. There's no real reason for this to be a children's crusade, <laughs> you know. And 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 many of these people do not make it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them just gleefully killed off screen for the next movie. So, we're, but we'll get yeah. into that later. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a somebody. Their their fate is to be in a folder. <laughs> Uh, in this, in the next movie, so some people get their folder fates. Hope you enjoyed like, this role. Next movie, you're a cameo, not even a cameo. Yeah, you're a you're, you're a screenshot. Yeah, yep. You're a clipping. So yeah, all of the adults are extremely disappointed uh, in the, the behavior of these kids. Like they're literally swinging from the rooftops. Uh, I think uh, Alex is just like hitting Darwin with a with a stick while Darwin chants harder and harder over and again, which is. <laughs> Like it's got it's a it's got a weird, weird. like cocaine <laughs> sex orgy vibe going on without all of the cocaine and sex orgies. Like whenever they cut over to the peanuts and they're all doing that dance to <laughs> yeah. that peanut song, <laughs> it's like that. Like they're all just in these weird little loops of like ding 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 ding. ding. We should uh, we should uh, reset very, very the uh, we should just make a very brief video clip and put that music over the top of that. That'd be a lot yeah. of fun. It's it's real good. Um, so th- they're going to uh. Uh, the the CIA boy like where are we? So the adults are disappointed. The CIA wants them to sneak into Russia, mm-hmm. and uh, Xavier and and Magneto are going to go. Yep, and Moira um, and her partner, an unnamed partner. <laughs> yeah, and guy, um, <laughs> the guy who doesn't even get to be man in a black suit. Um, the uh, uh, he actually might be the the X Men sixties buddy, like in the credits. I don't know. But anyway, so they go there. They go through a checkpoint. Xavier hides everyone and turns them invisible. Which like, why don't you do that all the time? Any kind um, of stealth they, missions, that should be the first thing that you do. Yeah. You know, and they get through this thing. It's kind of, kind of cool. Like, uh, you know, they, they get there, they, they kind of observe, they see that Emma gets there and, uh, you know, Xavier uses his power, sees in the guards and sees that, uh, you know, to the guards, like Emma's not herself. They find out that Shaw isn't there, but Eric, and so like, we have to abort mission. 
Eric isn't having it. So he runs forward. There's a pretty cool scene where he is doing, um, like using like razor wire and, and stuff to choke soldiers yeah. and shit, like making his way up. This is pretty cool. And this is a, a dramatic yeah. departure from the, from the Eric that we've seen on screen before this, because by the time we get to X-Men one, you know, Magneto looks like he's 117 years old. So he's just basically standing yeah. in place and <laughs> waving his arms around this. This Eric is yes. literally running full tilt towards this house and reaching out with his power and grabbing guns and like jerking these uh, soldiers forward so that they get knocked out and then wrapping them up with this uh, barbed wire, which is scary as hell. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like, imagine like a young in his prime Magneto just running directly for your house. You'd just be like, here, take the TV. You can have it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know what I Action did. Magneto is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um yeah. So we they uh uh they're they're heading up there. We find out what Frost is doing, which is like trying to get information from this guy. What's she trying to do with this dude to seduce him? Yes, yeah, so she basically wants to or get what, all of the missile goal? information. Yeah, she wants to get the missiles. Yes. Like where where basically their goal is to now that the US has pushed missiles kind of in their territory, they want to know where the Russian missiles are and then be able to encourage them to place them closer to the United States to to accelerate this war, which he does by mentally seducing him and making her think making him think that she's uh like making out with him and playing. Doing a last dance, basically. like essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Doing 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 some grab ass. Um Xavier and Magneto show up. Uh, see what's going on. Um, you know, Xavier's like, that's a good trick. He is about to go attack her in her mind. So she has to drop her trick and turn it into diamond form. Um, Xavier makes the guy fall asleep. And her in diamond form, she's just like, you know, you can't do anything to me like this. On the boat, she like fought, like she punched Magneto. She can't do that now, though. She she runs to, to jump off or to, to get out. They catch her. And th- this is where uh, Magneto uses the bedpost to like strangle her until the diamond cracks. Which, like, what is the point of that power? Is it just to be immune to psychics? Like, it seems like that's all it does. Because if just metal, if brass, like, you know, something from Bed Bath and Beyond can destroy your your diamond form, mm-hmm. you're not doing great. I would assume that because uh, I, I had the same problems with this scene because like why is she um, also why is that tie me to the bedpost song now playing throughout all of this first off um, yeah. <laughs> second <laughs> off to the bedpost second off I, I, I think I really feel like it's not just the metal like it's Magneto's power over the metal so um, and she oh, can't sure. so so she, but it's, at the same time you wouldn't think that like even you would think that his power would overwhelm the qu- the quality of the metal to the point that it would break against diamond since diamond is like literally the hardest substance ever. So I, yeah, yeah. He's just pushing it really hard. Yeah. And it does break yeah. into her neck, like you mentioned. And it's, it's, it's very strange, but you know, all it is, all it is there for is to serve as amount of tension because as, as they've built this up a little bit, Eric is willing to kill for what he's doing. And Charles is not ready to kill anybody. So, yeah. uh, and you know, Eric, Eric, that's enough. That's Eric, enough. Stop it. Stop, Eric, stop it. Eric. Stop it. Yeah. And he, he stops once it's cracked. He's like, you know, she turns back human. And he's like, it's your turn. Now, if she turns back into a diamond, just give her a little push and she'll shatter, which is you know kind of a baller line, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense with our powers. Yeah. I don't remember in the comics when she got her second mutation, uh, like she, she could turn into diamond, but it wasn't like she could, she healed from that, right? Like, did she, if someone like broke her diamond form, would she just like turn back human and then all of a sudden she was fine again? I don't really remember anything like that happening in, in, my, in my limited. She, um, she, th- she doesn't. When she, when she shattered in diamond, it doesn't heal her. When she turned into diamond, she shattered once and it needed the Phoenix Force to put her back together. Okay. 
So, yeah. um, and she shattered because somebody like found the exact flaw in the, the diamond. It wasn't like easy to do because later we're going to see um, her like fully diamond up and it doesn't seem like her neck is cracked. So I was kind of curious, like, yeah, is, that, yeah. is that a it's, permanent injury or is that just like, who cares at that point? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the answer is the second one, but mm-hmm. it could also be the first one. Yeah. So, um, so Xavier reads her mind and we get this cool, like, I like this part of the sixties thing where it shows like the old timey maps. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like an Indiana in Jones map, maps. right? Like that's really Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. And we get we get his whole plan essentially, which is he wants a world war nuclear war uh, here, which is like kind of under like kind of a shitty plan. He wants to make more mutants. He's still interested in the genetics. He wants to kill a bunch of humans. It's a little boilerplate like supervillain shit. I uh, I, but, I thought I guess I read into this a little too much because I'd always assumed uh, if you had asked me after the fact, I would have told you that Shaw was doing this so he could be at the center of a nuclear detonation so he could absorb that energy. Uh, but that's never, he never really says that here. And in fact, he kind of, at the end game, he just starts absorbing some different nuclear energy from a submarine. So I guess he doesn't really care about that. He just literally wants to be on the site of a nuclear detonation for some reason, which doesn't seem like a good plan. <laughs> this seems like a bad yeah, plan it, like, for yeah, everybody else involved. Talk, <laughs> he talks a little bit about how, like, I think that he does talk about how the, this will create more mutants. Like he essentially he's trying oh, to make that's this right. Like, Cause we're the children of the atom. That's what he's saying. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, we're the children of the atom. We're trying to. You've heard of farmers only. We're going to make mutants only. <laughs> the, 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 um, there's a little bit of that, but it's a little bit confused. A little bit not. It's not under motivated, but it's not very interesting. Leahly motivated, I would say. Um, so we go back to the CIA facility where the kids are. Um, the agents are making fun of the kids. The kids are all grounded. Uh, it's all sad. Um, they close the blinds. Um, they hear some like kind of beeping noises from behind the blinds. And turns out they were actually under attack. Yes. There. So uh, as as um, they were chasing Russians, uh, Shaw and his team had lined up to attack this facility with the with the goal of securing all of these mutant kids. Shaw very much wants these mutant kids. Um, and we, we're kind of treated to a, a demonstration of Azazel's powers, which up to now has just been teleportation. Like he just can teleport around. Now he's a teleporting ninja <laughs> with a giant katana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, it's, it's dumb. His, he, he looks bad. His his makeup looks bad. He, it, the red is too saturated. Mm-hmm. Like he's so red, you know. Um, and it just he just looks like a Satan. He looks like they they recruited a demon. You know, it's 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 pretty bad. And yep. he's just going around killing people left and right. It's supposed to be kind of a callback to the Nightcrawler action scene, but it's just way less interestingly shot. Like way less dynamic. You know, it's not. This is not a particularly good action scene in this movie. Yeah, and it's no, it's and, just and a it's, lot of Azazel uh, teleporting behind people, slicing them with a katana, and then teleporting uh, away from yep. it, away from them. There is one cool like split second scene where uh, Azazel is holding somebody up by their neck in front of them with his tail and kind of moving them left to right as somebody trains a gun on him trying to get a shot. Yeah, uh, but even then he just teleports behind the guy with the gun and shoots and kills him with a katana. So yeah. like, what what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't it, make it's dishonor, but he's unlimited on. He's got the unlimited mana cheat code. Yeah. Uh, um, Riptide kills so, Cerebro. So that we're, so the, the proto yep. Cerebro explodes and, or, you know, blows away or whatever he does at target. Um, the, uh, and then Shaw, Shaw shows up in the middle of the lobby and then just like starts demanding to, to see the mutants and everybody unloads on him. Uh, just starts shooting yep. him left and right. They, they shoot a bazooka at him, which a very helpful person on IMDb says there was a bazooka that's of a type that's not available until the following year, which oh. come, come on guys. Thanks internet nerd. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that. I guess that matters. Um, and he yeah. absorbs all that energy and stomps it out and it explodes the lobby and a really cool special effects sequence. Yeah. So, 
Yep. And he's so confident during this as well. He's just like, Hey, where are the kids? Yeah. yeah. Like you, you gotta tell me like he's, his confidence is really good. I think of this. Uh, um, he shows up to the kids yeah. here. Mm-hmm. He meets them. And there's that, there's that really cool like, scene you know, where, uh, as the, as the kids are hearing them get closer and closer, uh, Azazel is there. Riptide is standing there and they're both like, all of them are terrified. And then you hear Shaw coming yep. from outside and you hear the, these, these, these CI agents being like, you just want the mutants. Just let us go. They're right in there. Like giving up the mutants. Immediately. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, yep. Because Shaw is there to recruit them. Shaw is there to make the pitch that, you know, humankind doesn't need you. I do. So that just underscores that argument to to a, a, a delightful degree for me because all of those dudes were trying to make fun of the mutants earlier. Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't care about them. They don't care about them as, as mutants, or as people, or as kids. You know, they just want to... It's self-preservation. Exactly. Yeah. Super shitty. He shows up and he kind of does his pitch a little bit, which is, you know, meaningfully not that different from Magneto's pitch. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's, you know, again, he is Magneto's father. Like, a lot of Magneto's philosophy and stuff actually comes from this guy, which is a cool thing that this, this movie shows. Um, you know, he Magneto is better. Like, he's not quite as, as super villainous, but he's not that much better. Um, he's like, I'd like to recruit you. You know, you can say these people don't give a shit about you. You just heard them. You can join us in the future. Uh, or if you don't join us, you'll stand against us. And uh, Angel immediately decides to go with, for no particular reason, because she doesn't have any character development. You know, she's just like, they don't belong there. There's one line earlier where she's like, you know, I the way that I like the way people looked at me with my clothes off more than these soldiers look at me now that I'm a mutant. And it's like, well, okay. You know, <laughs> did you though? one line of character development? Yeah. <laughs> because- yeah. Character development doesn't do that. Like one line is not quite enough for this, but okay. You know, yeah. we need, we need to even the, the odds for the final fight. Um, Darwin steps up and says like, he's going to go with them, but it's a feint. Yeah. Um, Cause he, he knows he'd be immune. You know, if, if Alex attacks him, he goes there, uh, tells Alex to attack Shaw. Yeah, and it instantly uh, pulls Angel out can, of the way, showing a degree of heroism yeah. that we almost are not going to see for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so enjoy this. Yeah, because this is, Darwin's going to immediately die. Um, Shaw absorbs the attack, uh, even though Alex has a lot of power here. Um, puts all into a little ball, puts it into Darwin's mouth, and Darwin's body attempts to evolve in a different ways that could take it. And you see his body like morph into different forms, but it's just too much, and it causes him to explode. Yeah. Uh, so he dies. I, I like the CGI sequence a lot. Like, I think it's kind of a, a dumb, I think it's sacrificing one of your kids earlier. Um, just to, just to get yeah. kind of a, an avenged plot basically. Uh, but yeah, some pathos. Yeah. And I, but at the same time, I, I like this, I like this effect. Like, I like the fact that, you know, his power just trumps Darwin's power to that degree. Like, that's really cool to me. Yep. 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 Into it. Um, no one else joins him. Uh, Shaw then, uh, takes off. He meets with this, this Russian official, uh, and tries to, he's like, Hey, put some missiles in Cuba. The guy calls the KGB, but Azazel shows up and they intimidate him. So again, the Russians are peaceniks, but they're being strong armed. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, our, our CIA, uh, field team comes home and finds out all of these people dead. And, um, all of the, and Xavier immediately wants to disband this whole project. He's like, let's send these kids home. We're going to come get somebody to come take you. And they're like, no, no, we, we watch one of our own die. Like we should, we should avenge him. And I'm like, wrong movie, wrong movie, sugar. <laughs> like that's not coming for a little while <laughs> to yep. dial it down on that avenge line. Uh, but they they want to be a team. Like they want to go after it. They want to come They want to go after the people that, that hurt them. Yep. Um, you know, so we get a training montage again. It does a, a lot of that sixties jazz. Um, and this goes on for, for a while, you know, um, I feel like we can, this episode's already going a little long. We can, we can summarize some of this training stuff a little quick. Sure. I'm into that. Rather than going scene by scene. Like it's, it's a, it's like, it's all like fine stuff, but it it is still a montage. And like, 
basically what we accomplish here is uh havoc uh, gets his suit you know they they have him aim towards a specific dummy so he can control his powers eventually gets his suit and his power looks good beast learns uh, how to take his shoes off and run that. which i think is really great yeah, beast learns how to really run um banshee learns how to gets his flying ability and they do it it's, it's very harsh like they push him uh off a thing and say like hey hey yell off of this thing we think you'll be able to fly uh it was pretty dark you know they do it and and really importantly um the the most important character stuff here is done between eric and xavier where uh you know xavier is pushing eric to do to do better to control himself without anger to like meet him in the middle essentially you know Mm -hmm. so that that whole thing about eric having to find the mix between uh the anger and the emotion you know the the uh care is is a not subtle uh parallel to what xavier is trying to get him to do in general which is to have his power and have his anger but just use it more constructively and to do the literal way that he yeah and to do this, he he kind of finds like this memory in Eric's mind uh, with Eric's permission, which I was glad he asked permission to do this. I was yeah, you know, for once, very big of him, yeah. <laughs> very big of you, Charles. Uh, but he <laughs> finds this memory of his mother that is, you know, walks the line between, uh, is it rage and, uh, calmness or something? There's our, our yeah, something like that. I, I don't remember. But, I don't think they say calmness, but they, they, it's something, it's the, essentially that they, they use a different word, but yeah. Uh, but so that that kind of unlocks Magneto's ability, so he can just turn this giant antenna array that um, doesn't look to be on Xavier's property, and like would be really weird if Xavier owned. <laughs> so like I'm sure NASA had some problems with this. Like, Everyone's TV goes out. Yeah, he like, probably did like twenty million dollars worth yeah. of, worth of damage with this thing, and NASA's like, "Excuse me, what happened?" <laughs> Hello. Um, the uh, and then there's a there's a, a bit also where. Uh, magneto and raven start flirting a little bit you know it's just like hey you know uh use you know be yourself like essentially and by flirting we mean she she shows up naked in his bed so yes by flirting i mean fucking (laughs) the um you know and he's just like you know you're beautiful like this like he's Mm -hmm. it's in stark contrast how xavier feels which is like you know you need to look like rebecca remain stamos or jennifer lawrence or i'm not down yeah um so everyone has powers now and uh, um, they 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 we get the scene where excuse me John Kennedy is um going through like the the Cuban Missile Address that we've you know it, they 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 altered this slightly I think in the um because they wanted to kind of yes. adapt it to uh, what the actual story is uh, but that doesn't matter because for some reason everybody is in like the the X romper room and Magneto <laughs> is just holding a gun for no fucking reason he's just in there. <laughs> And Gary, if you look in the trailer, because when I went to look at the trailer when you mentioned it, in the trailer they show this scene, and he's literally just holding the gun in the scene, too. Like, there's no reason for him to have a gun here. Also, there's no reason for Magneto to ever have a gun. He could just be carrying a couple of bullets around, like, just shards of metal. Uh, Man, I just, uh, this is crazy. He's like Frank from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) Just like he just, just he's ready to call a gun every once in a while. Yeah, just whenever you know, he's just like, oh, I got my gun. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like everybody just. Um, uh, so yeah. they they watch it. We also get a scene of uh, Shaw watching the same address uh, from the president and getting kind of excited because things are coming together. Kennedy is yeah. ordering some uh, the the fleet into uh, the bay to because the Russians are moving to put missiles in Cuba. So all of this stuff is about to come to a head. Uh, we also get this scene where Hank has now perfected his serum and wants to use it alongside, um, his needle buddy, uh, Raven. Yes. Who is no longer his, his needle, needle buddy. buddy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're needle bonded. 
<laughs> like a, like a couple of addicts. The um, but she no longer wants to do this now that she has had sex with Magneto, or like you know, or somebody finds her attractive in a version. Like Magneto is given the encouragement that she wants, and like mm-hmm. when I when I say that, when I say like it's it's just about getting laid, like it sounds like I'm being dismissive, like that's not important, but like this age, that's super important. Like yeah. human powers show up during puberty. Uh, that the that's crazy important, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's just not interested anymore. Uh, Hank is is very like distraught about this, um, you know. So he he says like, you know, don't you don't you like me in my natural body? Aren't you proud? And he's like, yeah, not really. Like he fucks it up. Yeah. Um, you know, he he does not say the right thing. He thinks he's being good. He thought he did this huge favor. He didn't. Uh, and, so he and, takes off and takes it pretty hard. And then uh, yeah, Raven has this conversation with Charles as well, uh, where she shows up basically naked except she's in her like blue outfit and charles reacts as if she was naked uh which is yeah as raven calls out totally opposite of what he did as a child which was just accept her for who she was so now yep. he's acting like this is almost a sin to see her to, to to see her naked body and uh which is you know kind of a shitty thing for charles to do as well which again we're, we're developing raven to have a, a position in the x universe to be like you know she's kind of the person that all this stuff revolves around like the, these are the decisions yep. that mutants have to make Yep. Yep. Um, Hank, uh, in his rage, you know, he not rage, but like in his dejection, like injects his, his serum into his foot, uh, which is better, but then gets worse. And this is what turns him into the beast. We all, all know and love. Yeah. Like and we, we get that great shot of it, that, that needle sinking into that real weird foot. And I do not like it. Ugh. Nope. I don't like seeing that foot. And luckily we won't have to see it again. Yeah. True. Um, this is the RIP foot. The, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is you know uh raven seduce and eric as we talked about etc yeah. um we they eventually they're, they're heading back out um we they find hank's lab which has been destroyed um but they there's the new suits for them they all have x-men uniforms that's the the yellow like the bright kind of suits of the the comics they're closer yeah. to black with with, with um, the big bright yellow stripes which i think really look cool like the as far as x-men uniforms oh, yeah. go in the movies i think this this is this is up there with some of my faves like the the black leather from x-men one was was cool at the time i don't think it holds up very well now uh yes. but th- this looks like <clears throat> proper x-men style uh uniforms yes agreed um and they're going out uh and they're like where's hank where's hank hank shows up he is in in beast mode uh in the uniform and they're like you know, everyone, you know, Havoc is like, you know, hey, you look, he had never gotten a nickname. And like, I think we got a new one for you, Beast. You know, Mystique is like, you look good. Uh, Magneto's like, yeah, you look great. And uh, Beast like flips out on him and thinks he's making fun of him. Like, so this is the first time it's actually affecting his like temperament as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, which, which, you know, works for that character. And I'm, I'm way into. Yep. Um, so now we're in the end game. Uh, these, the Russian fleet has shown up. Uh, they are escorting a cargo ship full of missiles to Cuba. The uh, United States fleet has shown up. They have drawn a demarcation line, basically, that says, you know, if you cross this line, we are going to fire on you, which will start an entire, you know, World War III. They'll start a, a nuclear incident. Um, yes. All, right in the middle of this, the uh, Xavier shows up with his team in the Blackbird. Uh, and basically, he he resolves the situation very quickly by f- mentally controlling one of the Russians, uh, because well, I guess let me back up for a minute. The Russians unknowingly have lost control of this cargo ship. So Azazel yes. has teleported onto the ship, killed the Russian soldiers or Navy or whatever, and has just set it to go forward. So the Russians can't control this and are trying to tell the Americans like, Hey, we can't control it. Please don't fire. Please don't fire. This is not us. And they don't buy it. The Americans think it's a trick. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, the Americans, specifically uh, Stryker. Yep. This is Stryker's dad. Thinks it's a trick. Um, Xavier takes over one of the Russians and makes him blow up his own ship. Yeah, so, you know, so diverting there, there's a, it's, this nuclear incident. Yeah, it's kind of cool because the the actual Cuban missile, uh, you know, or like not the Cuban missile like crisis, but the Cold War, which which is part of this, uh, had a lot of the United States and Russia operating like proxy wars. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's uh, kind of thing. And here we have Shaw and Xavier uh, controlling the two the two superpowers as kind of proxies. Like this is a chess game, you know, with, with Shaw moving the Russians forward. Uh, Xavier taking his piece and taking that piece off the board. Like this is very indirect in a way that's kind of interesting. Here. I can't believe we've been recording for uh, close to two hours and like, we're just now getting to the climax of this movie. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, a lot fucking happens, man. I'm telling like, you, we, we, the, uh, the days of future past movies going to episodes gonna be like three hours long. That movie is more dense than this one. Even we may have to break that up into two parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be, it'll be a days of future cast and days of future cast rogue cut. Where we have <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, oh, the it's whatever part. happened to the third host. You don't hear about it anymore yeah yeah um, <laughs> it's, 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 um it's what, whatever happened to brian wade after that guest episode <laughs> what, what he's been doing <laughs> uh so um, so the x-men figure out very quickly that uh shaw has to be in a submarine so they send banshee underwater to use sonar ability uh does banshee have sonar in the comics i feel like that has to have come up at least a couple of times but uh it feels like something you'd have to learn i'm sure he does it but it yeah. doesn't feel like something you just kind of know you know, it's, it it's doesn't feel like silly. something instinctual, instinctual that would come out, but but maybe yeah. it's Charles because Charles has this mental connection with him, so he's reading Banshee's mind as Banshee is underwater screaming sonar. Um, totally. So this gives them the location of the sub, so they they fly close to it, and Magneto uses his newfound uh, plus two to you know cool down or whatever to yep. drag this submarine up out of the ocean in a very cool scene. I really like this, like the idea yeah, of yeah. him picking up an entire submarine. And then Beast just like in, in the in the pilot seat, just like flying them all towards the beach is very cool looking and very evocative. Yeah, yeah, this looks really good. This is a good climax in general, I think. Yeah, I like this. So yeah, especially in comparison to like X Men One, right? Yeah, like that super shitty climax. Um, this is much much better, I think. I just love so. the idea, and I love the the look on everybody's faces because they pan around like the U.S. fleet. The and we're not kind of going into detail, but like we get a lot of character moments with the the different factions in this fleet and the different like captains or whatever. But like they go around the room, and everybody's just like, "Holy shit, what is this guy doing with this summer?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> yeah, um, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Magneto, you know, pulls that thing out, et cetera. Everyone's uh, kind of kind of freaking out. Um, before beast can kind of, uh, fly, get this to the, the, the beach, uh, riptide shows up to fuck everything up. He, the, the sub crashes on the beach. So does the plane. Uh, no one's hurt, but now we are into our fight, like our actual, like brawl between these two people. And they all just kind of line up like final fantasy characters across from each other to fight. It's a little bit silly, but we get these little one-off, you know, one-on-one fights, which are all pretty fun. Yeah. This is actually, uh, like I, I like we get a, we get a bunch of different fights and I like most of them. So like Angel fighting Banshee is kind of corny just because Angel's mm-hmm. powers are kind of corny right now. But Angel at the yeah. same time is trying to save Havoc who has gotten himself into some trouble. So he's trying to save him because he got teleported way up in the sky with Beast by Azazel. Like I like the interactivity of the fights, right? Like they seem to kind of yes. change off pretty easy. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's just all kind of fun. I, I will say uh, we didn't really talk about it in depth, but like, 
Banshee's full scream is not quite as bad as the animated series, but who boy, this, this is not a good character to put on a t- on in like a, a movie or a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Just do that as like a sound effect. Make it sound vaguely human. Yeah. You know, but don't make it like, it sounds like they, they sounds like the actor did it, you know, which is not what you want. Like it's just him doing this weird, like pretty shitty screech. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But the, the real action is in between, um, Shaw who has locked himself into a, uh, a, a room in a nuclear reactor room and he's absorbing all of this power. He's wearing the helmet and uh, this room blocks telepathy. So Eric goes into the room to try to figure out like, Hey, uh, we got to, you know, we're going to try to get in here. Xavier is in his mind at the same time and saying like, if you can get me in there, I can control Shaw and I can shut him down. It'll be, it'll be done. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that almost happens. So Magneto eventually gets into the room and there's this showdown between Magneto and Shaw and it's very good. Like I like all of this a whole lot because this is a culmination of, you know, 20 or 30 years worth of, worth of hate from Eric. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric starts, uh, like breaking open this room, which is slowly, but surely giving, uh, Xavier the ability to look inside. And then he just starts calling in these huge pillars of metal starts breaking open this room. And, and eventually, uh, and I like this scene a lot. Uh, Shaw, uses like just kind of casually pushes these giant metal beams because he's absorbed so much power. He can just push this against Magneto's power, but he doesn't see that Magneto's controlling the wires behind him. And Magneto uses those wires to pull the helmet off and like a yeah, really team, cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very, very specifically Magneto and Xavier have to both use their powers Yep, to take mm-hmm. out Shaw. They have to team up. They couldn't do it alone. Good old fashioned team though, Gary. And I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Shaw is absorbing like nuclear energy from the sub to be a bomb himself. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to blow it up himself, which we we talked about earlier. I don't know if he mentioned it here though. I cannot remember. Um, so Xavier then freezes him at this point, uh, and Magneto is like, "Xavier's not gonna let me do what I want to do." So he puts on the helmet. It's an awesome, like you know, fuck yeah moment. Mm-hmm. This is his villain turn, you yep. know, um, more or less. But and uh, uh, Shaw is just frozen, you know, absolutely frozen. And Xavier slowly pushes the coin through his head. Magneto uh, there, does. and he it's. He has to do it slowly. Like I, I for a little while, I was like, "Why didn't his powers take care of this?" And it's, but his powers like take care of kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. So if he does it slowly, you know, I think it like it's not going to trigger his his mutant ability. And yeah, like, the we kinetic get this, energy is is lesser. We get this really cool scene of uh, because Xavier is still possessing uh, Shaw's mind, so Xavier is, is arguably experiencing this at the same time. And yes. they they frame the the shot so that it's a sideways view, and as the coin is going through Shaw's head, we we go flashback to Xavier's head, who is experiencing this and is screaming at the same time, while Shaw is frozen in place as this coin passes directly through his skull, and yep. comes and comes out bloody on the other end, which is just fucking rad, so great. Yep, super super good. I like it a lot. Um, so the U.S., the United States, and Russia, like this, actually does avert the war, but not in the way they want it to. Um, this gives them a common enemy. It's like, well, how about all these mutants around? Yeah, let's go, you know? let's blow up the let's, beach uh, full of, of weirdos. Let's do that. Let's all yeah. group up. Like at the very like, at least we're human, you know. And that, that's mm-hmm. that's a very old theme and and done kind of well here. I think um, they decided to, to fire all their their guns at the the beach, which has all these mutants. They're like, hey, we have an agent on the field. She's a good agent, but it's like it doesn't matter. Everyone's gonna die. Yeah. And um, Moira has however, been has been around all this time, and she's she's trying to stop this, trying to call her supervisors, and it's just not yeah. working. So. We, we haven't really talked about her. She hasn't done a whole lot, like, other than just, like, you know, she's not an action character. Like, she's been sitting around on the phone. Yeah. Essentially. She's been making phone calls. Her superpower is in any time minutes. 
Um, the, uh, so Eric comes out and he actually, uh, like, like actually, uh, saves this. Like he brings out Shaw who, who is dead and makes his Magneto speech. And this is his very first, like fucking cool ass Magneto speech, which like, I would love a YouTube supercut of like all of the Magneto speeches from all media. Is this the you first know, all, time we've all... seen him float, seen him fly? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. also, and Super he comes cool. out like holding uh shaw up like the corpse of shaw up like as you know like a like as it's crucified in on the air in the air basically which is just yeah, yeah, yeah. incredibly evocative like i love that shit that's that's yep. just like you said it was a villain turn but it's it's an all the way villain turn it's a super villain it's so turn. good yeah yeah um so he's like hey the, the ships are targeting us xavier confirms it uh moria tries to stop him off they can't everyone fires the missiles but eric now he has his groove back like this is like a power-up moment for him as well like getting this revenge has empowered him. He stops the missiles, turns them back and sends them towards the ship. Um, and he's going to blow them up. It's not just enough about saving their lives. They also have, you know, it's not enough that we, we win, they have to lose as well. Um, Xavier's like, Hey, you know, you can't do this. Like, you know, they, they're just, they're just soldiers. They're just, and, uh, Magneto finishes his line. He's like, Oh, they were just following orders. You know, mm-hmm. like I've heard that one before. I've been at the mercy of people who are just following order, who are just following orders. I'm never going to do that again. Um, so here Xavier tries to be like, I can't get in your mind, but I'm going to fight you. Um, and they do this kind of like down and dirty, try to kind of fight. He tackles him, uh, trying to get his helmet off Moira and then tries to shoot this, uh, shoot him, you know, after he he does this. Uh, but Magneto, uh, redeflects the bullet, doesn't really pay attention to where it goes and hits, uh, Xavier in the spine. Whoops. Uh, and he doesn't like this. Like this is too far for him. You see this moment of him like waking up to himself. Uh, during this and he's like i'm really sorry that's not what i meant to do you know and he uh this is enough distraction so the the missiles kind of fall out of the sky yeah there and then he tries to uh completely blame this on moira and starts trying to choke her with her dog tags which like i didn't know cia agents had dog tags um and also like (laughs) i'd also (laughs) like uh like you know you you feel bad for your killing your friend like it's obviously your fault like there's a no way shape or form like it was moira shooting it at xavier yeah. <laughs> like what what why would you blame moira at all uh but you know grief is a thing uh so we you know we'll, we'll give him that um he he tries to tell xavier like no 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 like you we want the same thing and and xavier who is in tears and looks like he's about to die says no my friend we we absolutely do not uh which yeah. is a signal to to eric for him to yeah. say okay well he puts down xavier's body Warrior rushes over and then he begins his, his, the rest of his recruitment speech essentially to the, the mutants that are on the field. And of course, like it kind of divides up like you would expect. So Azazel comes over, <clears throat> Angel comes over, any X-Men in an outfit stays <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> like, yeah. it's pretty easy, <laughs> pretty easy, pretty clear boundaries It'd be awkward here. If they had a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Change, change outfits. Like, yeah. there, there's one really subtle moment, uh, that I, I just, I just want to mention is when, uh, Xavier shot all of the X-Men team rush over and Zav- and Magneto just blast three of them back, but leaves Raven standing right there by herself, which I just thought yeah, was, yeah, was yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Super cool. Again. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, you know, so Eric didn't just takes off again. These people are enemies essentially now, but they both love each other and they can't like actually just take each other out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, she's better side. They they get ready to uh to leave. Xavier or Zazel gets everyone out. 
well, real quick, we have to talk about um, Raven, like because Raven does the whole thing. Of, oh like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna she, yeah. She, like Magneto literally reaches out his hand to her, and she kind of just walks by him to check on Xavier, and then stands up and then walks to Magneto's side, and kind of this like will she, yep. won't she type situation, which I think is you know that's that's been kind of the thrust of this whole movie. Like that's been the point of this whole movie is like what is Raven going to do, and it sets up the, yep, the rest as, of at this least trilogy. for now. Yeah. Yep. Advantage. Advantage. Magneto. Yeah. Uh, so thinking out there, Xavier can't feel his leg, so this is the origin of his his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, this whole the scene is kind of dialed; like they get out, so we we flash forward. They're back at the mansion, um, and Xavier and Moria are kind of talking about it. They're like, "Hey, you know, we can convert this to a a, a school. You know, you can call yourself Professor X. They can be the X Men." And he's just like, "No, no, no, that's foolish." You know? Yeah, because he says uh, like, "We're going to be G Men. We're going to work with the government, but we're not going to be the government. We're going to be G Men without the G." And she's like, "No, you're going to be X Men." And he's like, "Eh, not really. Not really sold on that either. <laughs> like, we we like to dumb. avenge things. Can we be the Avengers?" And she's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> "No." And we are. We're on the East Coast. Can we be the East Coast Avengers? If there's already yeah. one, th- I can move to the Great yeah. Lakes. I got no problem up there. I got. Yeah, I got a house. We're going to defend things. <laughs> 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 like, and we are. There are six of us, and we are kind of sinister. But mm. the um. So the, uh, and he at this point, like they, they kiss cause there's obviously, I mean, like obviously there's kind of been some romantic tension. I guess I didn't, I didn't really this, like, right? like I, I didn't feel this, t- this sexual tension throughout the movie at all. Like just more of a, he flirted with me once and I just shut him down with his bullshit. And then like, yeah, now I guess I got, I'll, yeah. I'll give him makeouts. So yeah, it's a little silly, but they kiss and he, he wipes her mind, mm-hmm. which obviously is not, not best practices. I think, right? Like it's a little bit, I mean, you get why he does it. You know, he doesn't actually want to be a G man, right? Like they're, they're just like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to operate with us. You're going to be a G man. Like, that's not good. That's not, that's not what you want. Like he, he doesn't want to actually just like straight up work for the government. He can't have this government li- liaison, you know? Yeah. He says, he like tells, this. he tells Moira like, Hey, the, the one thing that's going to save us is our anima, on an, and I'm in it. And wow. And an enemy and, and I'm on a, yep yes the, yeah. the act of yep. being anonymous the condition of yes, being anonymous <laughs> yes our, our anonymous condition yes um so he wipes her mind which is which is sad mm-hmm. um setting up something that never goes anywhere Magneto frees emma frost uh and he's now in his cool purple outfit yep um asks emma to join him and names himself finally magneto yes for the, uh, the first time um and this this is very um, good like this 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 ending culmination that the ending this with the magneto scene and not like a uh, a happy xavier and his kids scene i think is is a really interesting choice and i am i am here for it like yeah especially because his threads are extremely dope <laughs> like the the whole like purple yeah, yeah, yeah. Mag, you know magneto thing that he's got going on um is is really great magenta yeah, it's, i do magneto pretty, um, all the time it's definitely magenta Jesus yeah Christ. It's uh, it's pretty confident because th- this wouldn't work very well if they didn't have a uh, a sequel. Like if a sequel is not going to happen, mm-hmm. you know. So again, like pretty pretty confident, I think. Yeah. Um. Here, and that's kind of the end of the movie, uh, which is a which is a good like a good ending. Like this this is uh you know as we mentioned like this is movie does a lot it sets up a lot and succeeds in more things than it fails at. I think. Yeah. It uh, it, it's uh, pretty well. I, I think so as well. I think uh, like with I've already been outspoken about Emma Frost and how I can think she kind of she's she's not great, but at the same time she doesn't drag the rest of the movie yeah. down for me. So she's you know the stuff between Eric and Charles, the all of the Mystique stuff works for me. 
you know, the the kids, even though it seems kind of weird to have kids in this situation, actually all kind of work for me. Like they're all goofy, like teenagers would be. Which when I come to when I when I come for the, to the X Men with teenage stuff, like I want that goofiness. Like I want it to be a little bit silly because I, I can imagine myself as a teenager with weird powers. I would be a little goofy and silly with it. Like I would be experimenting with that stuff yeah. to see exactly what I could do and getting myself into preposterous situations. So. Uh, all yes. all of this stuff works for me. the The soundtrack is surprisingly good by you know superhero movie standards, and so I'll I'll, I'll take that any day yeah. of the week. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, I like it a lot. Is it's not perfect. You know, it's not. Um. I think it's not the greatest of these movies. I do think that like they get it with the next one. Like I think I think Days of Future Past is probably the the maybe the best X Men movie other than Logan. Right? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this. I think that, I think it's pretty at least pretty close. Uh, X two yeah, is in there for me. Like X two has a, a, I get a lot of miles. X two is very X2. good. Uh, but so, but you know, yeah. Logan is so clearly the best one that it's it's hard to to you know after it's like Logan and then four stories, <laughs> and then yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk. Uh, do you think we're done with the movie? Do you want to do you want to get out of here since this has been a little longer? Yeah, yeah, I I, I think I'm done with the movie. Uh, some food. If we're, uh, I, I do want to briefly mention what the next two episodes are going to be. So uh, th- we're going to be covering mm-hmm. the Spider-Man and '90s animated series, but with specifically the ones that are have X-Men crossovers. To the best of my research, there are uh, the, there's five episodes of that. Uh, season two, episode four and five. So that'll be the first episode that we cover, and then season five, episodes nine, ten, and eleven, which are the Secret Wars. Uh, the 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 descriptions made it sound like the X-Men may only show up in that first episode of secret wars, but I think it makes no sense to not cover all three episodes of secret. Just wars. Cover all, yeah, just yeah. cover all of them. And that's such a big Marvel event. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, I think that'll be a lot of yeah, fun. Why wouldn't we want to cover it? Mm-hmm. An and then um, secret wars. Yeah. After that, we'll be going uh, right back into another movie with days of future cast. And we'll probably do a, another feedback episode before we jump into uh, the Avengers, uh, the mighty Avengers. I think it's called. I don't remember now. I have. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. check the website daysoffuturecast.com for the schedule and I'll have all that stuff updated by the time you listen to this yes um, and uh, at some point you know, a couple of people will request this I think we probably will at some point uh, cover the rest of the Spider-Man series like yeah, that, it looks fun and dumb that'll make sense for us yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready to jump into another five season show just yet like I, I need a <laughs> I need some smaller episodes to deal with before we jump into a, a big series so yep Absolutely. But eventually I think we'll do it. Um, and then, you know, we have no plans to end the show. So other things will, will pop up. Uh, yeah. So if, other things that you want us to get to, it'll probably happen. Yeah. We've had requests for uh Legion. I've seen a couple of requests for uh gifted, which is that X-Men kind of Fox show. And uh, it, we'll get to a lot of that stuff. Like I have a big, huge interest in Marvel and X-Men properties. Like we'll, we have like Carrie mentioned, we have no turn lands to kill the show anytime soon. We're so we're, we're going to be here regardless talking about some Marvel bullshit. Uh, if you want to support the show, yep. the best way to do it is at patreoncom slash duck TV. You can go there and donate a couple of bucks, get access to episodes early and all that good stuff. Uh, iTunes reviews are always helpful. Tell your friends about the show. That's probably the best way. Just like, hey, do you have a friend? Are they into Wolverine? Tell them about the show. It's easy. And then, um, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll like this. yeah. A, do you like Wolverine? Yeah. Yes or no. And then just send them to us either way. Uh, yeah. so go do that. Just pass go them do a note in things. class that just says, like a note that just says, do you like Wolverine? Y N. And then they, they circle one. 
and then both answers um, lead to daysoffuturecast.com yeah. because it's a twine game because that's how you pass notes in class nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so you cut down on the coding. Yep. Um, yeah, all that stuff is great. Uh, you know, appreciate any of the support you can give. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're looking forward to covering some new cool shit with the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Spider-Man, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like Spider-Man. I'm looking forward to it. So. Um, yeah, I think that might be it. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll, uh, uh, we'll else? yeah, we'll see you next time with some with some Spider Man stuff. Uh, in the meantime, uh, stay cool. Does that yeah, something good, that we I think we just say good night at the end of the show. I don't oh, know okay. if we have an official ending, but it's just a regular. We just say goodbye. All right. Well, goodbye, goodbye everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye, Charles.